Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. Happy Friday. The weekend's ahead. And while many people, of course, will be looking to do something at home over the weekend, others will be jetting overseas. Um, you know, if you think the passport issues were bad, they've got a hell of a lot worse. And a lot of it has to do with the pressure that people are on. We're in the middle of May now. So June, July and August are big holiday dates. So there's panic stations with lots of people. But just ahead of talking about that in the papers, the Mail this morning talks about people who are going to Spain. Um, be very aware that it's Scorchio there, or at least it will be across the weekend for some time to come by all accounts. You're talking 35 to 40 degrees Celsius. Um, and that's why the Mail was talking to the editor of Air and Travel magazine, Owen Corey, that these are extremely unusual temperatures for this time of the year in Spain. You might think you get that kind of temperature in, I don't know, maybe July or August or what have you, but this is still mid-May. So that's kind of worrying when you think of it. You know, a temperature like that in the middle of May, 35 uh, to 40 degrees. What we have to contend with, meanwhile, is Saharan red dust coming in on dull wind from the Sahara Desert. That's a story that makes the mirror. So uh, motorists, uh, I don't know, we always talk about motorists and motor cars. Maybe that's where we notice the Saharan dust the most settling on your car and your windscreen and what have you. But with regards to passports, the Sun this morning says there's just shy of 200,000 people now waiting for a passport. And I bet you if I open the phone lines this morning, I'd be swamped again with people who have issues and worries and panic and clocks ticking with regards to their passports, first-time ones, renewals and things like that. And this is nearly nearly 200,000, in spite of the fact that they beefed up the workforce um, to a 705 staff. I mean, it's astonishing the amount that are actually working, trying to get through the backlog, and we still have nearly 200,000 waiting. And here we are in the middle of May. Meanwhile, uh, diesel is continuing to to creep upwards and I hate to be the purveyor of doom and gloom but with inflation here at 7% and the UK is 9% all costs are going up uh, and how much of this actually can be traced back to Russia? Fuel supplies and uh, logistical supplies and uh, their war in Ukraine. Uh, but the diesel is back up to two euro and petrol isn't too far behind it. And apparently, according to the mail, that is now leading uh, to Gardaí reporting a spate of thefts from petrol stations as fuel prices continue to soar at the pumps. And it looks as if it's going to continue to go north in that regard. Uh, I was talking to a restaurateur yesterday who said that so far... They haven't passed on the cost of any food increases um, or indeed wine increases or beer increases or what have you to their customers. I don't know how many others are managing to uh, absorb the costs themselves. But there is a Michelin star chef making the papers today uh, by the name of J.P. McMahon who says that more and more restaurants will be forced to close in the near future and won't have a summer trade because of soaring costs. Uh, everything's gone up. I mean, even simply, I mean, flour, coffee, beef, butter has doubled in price. Um, and, you know, it, 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 there's only so much you can pass on to a customer or a consumer or somebody who sits at a table, I suppose. A uh, story that we were working on yesterday it makes the papers today. Uh, and uh, it has to do with shops that are stopping or banning or withdrawing chocolate bars that are wrapped in tinfoil, very thin tinfoil. It came to our notice with regards to a centra on the Bandon Road, who we noticed yesterday when we got off the air, they had a sign-up saying, we no longer sell animal bars. Now, I don't know whether it's only animal bars, because there are other chocolate bars, aren't they, that are wrapped in very, very thin tinfoil. Amongst them that comes to mind would be some of the Cadbury's dairy milk bars, the very thin one, you know, the tiny little old-fashioned one? And I imagine Kit Kat as well is wrapped in tinfoil. But they've withdrawn them, and apparently other shopkeepers as well. Why? 
Um, heroin dealers apparently use it to burn the heroin by all accounts and uh, one of those uh, in a shop that no longer sells well certainly the animal bar is Dennis Welton and he said he felt he had to stop selling children's chocolate bars like animal bars and cease using tinfoil wrappings on deli products in the best interest of staff and loyal customers he said I prefer not to sell these products uh, that have been on the shelves uh, because uh, and, and drug users often use the, the heroin they put it on top of the foil heated underneath with a cigarette lighter. Uh, so, um, that's the world we're living in, isn't it? I mean, you see, we're sharing video footage this morning. There's a guard investigation into... The, you know, when you hear terms like a public order incident, it doesn't actually do justice uh, to what actually happened. More on that in a few minutes' time from McCurtain Street. But it's rough out there. really and truly is. The uh, former Sinn Féin TD, Jonathan O'Brien, um, and what he went through over the space of a nearly two-year period makes all of the papers this morning because it was in the courts yesterday, Cork Circuit Criminal Court, where a woman waged a campaign of harassment against Jonathan O'Brien, phoning and texting him five and a half thousand times in a six-month period, sending him things like a picture of a rat, uh, he complained to Gardi, and the um, amount, the campaign of harassment even got worse. Now, she was before the courts yesterday, Sonia Egan uh, from Killeen's, uh, bombarding not just him, but a community activist by the name of Laura O'Connell with messages. And she actually met her imposed as a barrister in robes when they first met up. Um, it's an extraordinary story before the courts yesterday. Now, the woman involved in this, Sonia Egan, has been bailed uh, and will be back for sentencing so it'll be interesting to see what the judge does with regards to sentencing on that one. But he went through a horrific time of it. He really and truly did. Uh, I mean, the court reports are a lot more lengthy that I can give it due justice to it this morning. But he went through the horrors and, and, and so did and so did Laura, by all accounts. Papers this morning, you talk about something that's absolutely 100% unforgivably disgusting. And that is um, Escorts Ireland, a website where men can book sex uh, with women. Um, they've had a massive increase apparently and it does absolutely no justice to men whatsoever a 250% increase in men looking for sex with Ukrainian women I mean that's just perverted Um, this is Irish men uh, apparently the advert is up there saying um, fulfill your war inspired fantasies Um, and I hate mentioning this out of the morning but this is how, how, how sick society has become, has become where there are adverts up there saying, you know, have sex with a Ukrainian woman and fulfill your Ukrainian war inspired fantasies. I, mean, I don't even know where to begin with uh, trying to uh, pick apart that kind of logic. Do you remember we've been talking about apprenticeships and stories like that and, you know, shortage of tradespeople and what have you? It's an interesting story. I, I like it when people put their head above the parapet and actually have an opinion and they're not afraid to share it. And that's the story with Connor Gray. He is a an apprentice development manager at an engineering contracting company called Mercury. So you'd think he'd know what he's talking about because he deals with apprenticeships. He says that there's an awful lot of young people that don't like getting out of bed for 7 o'clock in the morning. And that's why he thinks that the shortage of apprenticeships is down to they just don't want to get out of bed in the morning. And that's the story that makes the Times today. Your thoughts on that are welcome. And if you thought that long COVID was all makey-uppy, well, it's not. Long COVID is real. And we're going to get long COVID clinics funded by the HSE here in Cork. And watch out. Watch out. 
There's another virus type virus knocking around. It's got an horrific name, incidentally. It's called monkeypox. Uh, so the front of the mirror this morning is if we didn't have enough doom and gloom and worry, we're now being told worry about monkeypox virus alert, a rare disease that has arrived in Ireland. And that beautiful building that was, for, well, formerly the Victoria Hotel, where they stripped all the paint off it to show the most gorgeous cork limestone. That's picked up by the Echo. I was talking about it in the uh, exam- in the on the air yesterday morning. It's a gorgeous. I actually drove down Patrick Street last evening. I'll tell you more about that a little later on, just to have a look at it. And thank God I was stopped at traffic lights and I could have had a really good detailed look at it. I just fell in love with the brickwork. It's gorgeous. It really and truly is. And again, it leads me to believe that there must be an awful lot of other beautiful limestone facades covered in paint. And the Victoria Hotel limestone building goes back to 1810. And I'd say that limestone hasn't been seen in a long, long time. There's other stories making the papers that I'll drill into, including your opportunity to make €14,000 tax-free by renting a room. You can even do it if you're on a welfare payment. That's how desperate it's got now to get people um, uh, into houses or into homes or just into bedrooms. It's a story that makes the independence today. But you know we were talking about yesterday that way too many doctors are too quick to reach for the prescription pad and not think about maybe alternative treatments. The Times UK says this morning that doctors now nearly are, are, are instead of giving sleeping pills... And of course, they can be highly addictive. Doctors now are beginning to prescribe a self-help app instead of sleeping pills. And it's being inspired and driven by the, by the NHS, which is our HSE equivalent. And apparently nearly a million patients now with insomnia are going to be prescribed not sleeping tablets, but a sleeping app to help them sleep instead. And one other story for now, it's a busy morning paper-wise today, but a lovely one is uh, a couple who scooped 217 million euro in the British lottery. But it's how they discovered that they actually won the 217 that absolutely fascinated me. More on that after the break. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Yeah. Red FM. So you have this couple, right? The Thwaites, which would be Jess and Joe Thwaite, right? And they do their lottery. Not a bother in that. So they um, went public yesterday. They became Britain's biggest Euro Millions winners ever. 217 million euro. Um, and he says that... They're inside, in the, they're inside in bed, right? And he woke early. The alarm hadn't gone off or anything and his wife is still asleep. So Jess is still asleep and Joe wakes up and he makes the sun in the tabloids this morning saying he initially kept the stunning win to himself because he didn't want to wake his wife <laughs> who was sleeping at the time. I mean, let me just think about that. Like, anyway, he says um, he bought the winning ticket online on Tuesday of last week. And the next morning received an email with good news about their ticket. He said, I looked at the amount and at first I thought it was thousands, right? I was excited because uh, that would be life-changing and pay the mortgage, thousands. So he started counting the digits that they'd won. And of course, there was way too many digits for it to be just thousands. He says, I started counting the digits. And at that point, it was surreal and amazing. And I just sat there. He's sitting up in bed now, right? Looking at his phone and reading the digits. He says, I didn't want to wake Jess up. Her alarm... (laughs) Wake her up. I'd be jumping up on top of her dancing. Uh, Anyway, I started to... Okay. I didn't want to wake her up. Her alarm wasn't due to go off. So I thought I'd let her sleep. (laughs) 
I mean, I think that's kind of a form of shock, maybe. I let her sleep away, and when she wakes up and the alarm goes off in half an hour, I'll tell her she's just won 217 million euro. Uh, so he says, I let her wake up. Um, after her alarm went off at 6 a.m., I told her, like he gently probably turned to her in the bed and said, Darling, um, I, um, I've got a secret. I've got something to tell you. The stunned Cuffball then decided to just go downstairs and make coffee and decided to get on with their routine. And then, casually, a few hours later, rang Camelot uh, to um, just check in as to where they get their dosh. They have also said that all they've only bought since winning 217 million euro is splashed out on a wardrobe and a new chest of drawers. And they went on a simple celebration dinner of 1995 steak and chips. <laughs> I mean, that money's going to go a long, long way if that's their headspace. A 1995 steak and chips, a wardrobe and a chest of drawers. <laughs> the fact that they've gone public, of course, is going to bring its own nightmares with people coming out of the woodworks looking for the money. But looking at them, actually, they, I don't think you could might meet a nicer, nicer couple. They're probably very grounded. I don't know how they're going to spend the money. But, like, how would you react? And, you know... Like, you wouldn't really leave your partner in the bed sleeping away till the alarm went off if you were 217 million euro better off overnight. But I love that story. It lifts your spirits. Mind you, there's a tad of jealousy at the same time when you think of it, isn't there? Anyway, lines open. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. Particularly if you were in the city last night. Round about half past nine on McCartan Street. And if I didn't see the video clip... You know, I would say, yeah, I understand a public order incident. But when you see the video clips that people take of these things, you realize that public order incident doesn't do justice to what was going on. So outside, right on the middle of the road now, right? This is right in the middle of McCurtain Street, just directly outside Victoria Casino. I'm not connecting this in any way, shape or form to the businesses on McCurtain Street or Victoria Casino. So right in the middle of the road, there's a man lying on the ground, right? And surrounding him... The lad said there's like five men kicking him. I think at one stage I counted eight characters around him, but let's say it's five. This guy's lying on the road. He's got five men kicking him. One actually stamps on his head a few times. And he's lying on the ground, right, trying to protect himself. And these guys are going at him, kicking, kicking, kicking. One guy's stamping him in the head. Some go away, others come in. Some go away and come back again. And they really do give him an unmerciful kicking and pounding. Now, the guy lying on the ground then manages to get back up. And he pushes one of his attackers to the ground and starts uh, trying to headbutt another before eventually everything settles down, apparently. Now, traffic was backed up, of course, and cars were just stopped and people were watching it. And in typical fashion, I mean, who am I to criticize them? I, I saw the video and I'm glad that I saw it to describe exactly what was going on there. But people were video fo- videoing it with their with their mobile phones. So we contacted the Gardaí and they said, Gardaí, yes, are investigating a public order incident in McCartan Street yesterday evening. Uh, Gardaí received reports of a number of individuals fighting at this location and attended the scene. Upon arrival, Gardaí directed those present to disperse from the area. No arrests have been made at this time. Investigations are ongoing. Now, that's fair enough. Um, but if they say that those present were told to disperse, does that mean that they took their names and addresses and looked for ID before they told them to disperse? Um, because how could you have an ongoing investigation if you don't know who the characters are or where to find them? Were they just told to go away and nothing's going to become of it? I don't understand 
that kind of language as to what happens next when they say investigations are ongoing. If those present were told to disperse, maybe somebody could explain it. Maybe Councillor Paddy Dunneen could explain it. You've seen the video, Paddy. Uh, hi, Neil. Yes, I have, yeah. And this is just a typical example. It's not exclusive in any way, shape or form because this happens all too often. But here is an example of it last night on McCartan Street. Yes, it's becoming quite commonplace now, I have to say, within this city. And um, it's concerning in a way, yeah. Okay, okay. okay. Would, it, would, would it be allowed to happen or would it ever happen if we had more Gardaí on our streets on a Thursday night on McCurtain Street just automatically have some kind of police guard presence there? Well, in defence of the Gardaí, the, the Gardaí do a great job and they, are, they, they, do, they do clamp down on, the, on this kind of behaviour. But um, I think what, where we need to look at at this stage is we need to look at the judicial system, Neil, and how these perpetrators and these these people are dealt with in the courts and the punishment that they receive. I think we need to start looking at that now because um, they seem to be wandering around. They seem to get off willy-nilly and the soft stories and the soft stories that go into the judges and the judges listen to them and take... And, 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 you know, they just don't um, take things to, to heart, I, I, I think, and they really, really need to start. Uh, um, do, we have enough, do we have enough CCTV cameras? I mean, how will an investigation like this roll out, do you think? Will they look at cameras? I mean, they, get, they did arrive and told all of these characters to just disperse. I mean, is, is that really good enough? Well... I, I do know. I do know that the um, the the, the Gardaí, to be fair, again as I said, they do they do their job, and I can't speak uh, personally on guard operations and how and how and how they go about their business. But like we have to take it from their point of view, like the Gardaí, like there's the, the, the number of people that were there. Maybe they knew them. Maybe they detected them, and maybe they will follow up with a with a, a firm or proper investigation. Someone will be head to task for it. I wonder, what? though. I mean, seriously, I wonder. I mean, what people really would prefer to see is a big paddy wagon speeding down with uh, blues and twos and what have you down McCurtain Street, and all of them turfed into the back of it and taken away to a cell. That's yeah, what people like, want to see. Just like it used to be long ago, Neil, yes. Just like it used to be long ago. And it's probably, like, unfortunately, the society today we live in, that's not entertained anymore. And, and and it also seems, I would have to say this, that these people seem to have more rights than the, the victims. Yeah, yeah. it's like it's these, when I see yeah. these videos, it's like something out of The Walking Dead or a horror movie, you know, where belief is suspended yeah. for a period of time. But they seem to behave in this manner without any fear of anybody stopping them or interfering. Like as if they own, it's like as if they own the place. Yes, they have no fear. They don't, they don't fear the law. They don't fear the judicial system. Because they know, they know nothing will be done, and they know that they'll walk away. But yet, if you go and, to and Spain or to France or to Italy or Portugal, you see a huge guard of presence, police presence constantly. You'll even see the army, as in south of France, there two weeks ago, and uh, the army are patrolling the streets. I mean, you know, it might look alarming first time you see it, but then when you think about it, you say, actually, you know, why not? Yes, they they are. I think the policing method in Spain is is a different approach to here. In Spain, they go in, they hit, and then they ask. Over here, we ask, and we don't hit at all. I'm not, I'm not, saying, I'm not, I'm not saying we should hit people around. No, I know you don't mean physically. In, in, yeah. in, in Spain, but in Spain, that's what they do. They, they'll go in there, and the police are there with their big buttons, the civil area, and then you have the, the police themselves. And what they seem to have is a lot of police presence. You know, you see them. They're identifiable. 
you know. You do see them, yes. You do but, see them. Whereas, and, and I mean, wh- where we're at now is that, I mean, do you feel safe in the city? Would you would you go into the city at night, maybe that time, yeah. nine, ten o'clock? No, I, I don't. I, I used to long ago, but I, I've changed how I, how I go into the city now. I go in early now, and if I move around, and then I'm out early. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be in there any, any, any later than 10 Why? at least. Yeah. Why? Well, two reasons. Um, I suppose one is the, maybe I would feel it a touch unsafe when it gets dark, and then transport home. Transport the, home the, the other reason. Yeah, getting home, yeah. Getting home any later, yeah. Okay, all right. I just wondered whether or not we could, I don't know, it just seems to be like a scratch record, you know, nothing changes. Oh yeah, it does. That's why I'm saying that, like, I know the Gardaí are doing the best they can, to be fair. They are. They really, really are. And are, are they overwhelmed? Quite possibly at, at times with this. What can they do? Very little. Because when they do their job, they go to the courts, they bring these people to the courts, and they walk free. And that must be disheartening for the Gardaí. And we need to ask questions of our judicial system. We need to look at that. We need to look at punishment. We need to, we really, we really need to clamp down on this type of behaviour, and we need to punish those. So, if you have a guy, if you have a guy having his head kicked in on McCurtain Street, right, that clearly should he go into a courtroom, maybe um, a night court. I don't know what kind of a court straight away. You know. Yes, yes. Well, I think, that, well, that we do have that. Don't we? Do, don't we have one in 24 hours, you get the next day, you, you could be in court. That does happen, all right. But, yeah. yeah. But, but and I, I will say about that, yeah, that viciousness of, of there, was a, there was a one guy in particular in that video who was quite vicious and uh, he was quite adamant and kept hitting at that this, that this chap's head. Yeah. But yeah. And thankfully he got up and he was able to defend himself again. So, I hate to sound exasperated about it, but there's probably going to be another one tonight and maybe a lot over the Quite. weekend. You know, nothing, nothing seems and, to change. And, and that was a big one that we saw. That was video. There's many more going on the back streets. We don't see our heroes. All right, let me talk to Alex. Thank you, Paddy. Appreciate it. Call Councillor Paddy Deneen. Uh, Alex, good morning. Hey, good morning. Uh, did we talk before? Uh, no, I don't oh, think so. Okay, well, I can tell you something. I spoke to other people with similar stories to yours. You had your face smashed in walking home some time back, did you? Yeah. Okay. So what can you tell me I, about that attack? Basically, I got off the bus. I was walking home. Um, and then before I knew it, I was on the ground and I got hit into the side of the head. I got up and then I thought I was being mugged or something, but no. There was three fellas. One pulled a knife. The other was um, holding on to my, like, my jacket, pulled me into a punch. So I had a couple of punches into the into the face. Like I thought it was over when I saw, well, what I thought was a knife, I what? still don't know. Well, you thought, but what you saw was what you thought was a knife. So it probably was a knife. How, how do you react when you see somebody holding a knife? Why, well, you want to get out of there. Like. Yeah, yeah. You're, um, you're probably thinking, so, well, next thing is I'm going to be stabbed in the stomach or something. Something like that, yeah. Um, basically, like this happened in Balancholic. Um I then managed to run away. They didn't chase me, thankfully. And I ran to the Garda station, which, of course, was closed, as it always is. Yeah. Um, what time was that? Then, um, so it, it happened before COVID. Um, I was out celebrating a friend's engagement. Good man. I got the bus home, got off the bus. It was about two or three in the morning. I was like, yeah, okay, two or three in the morning. Still, it shouldn't happen. It shouldn't happen any time, um, incidentally. No. No, no. Um, so, I was walking home at whatever, two, between two and three in the morning. Yeah, 
that's what I got for walking home. Okay. They didn't rob you or anything, did they? No. And that's sort of something that slightly annoyed me. It's like, did they just do it for fun? Did they say anything to you? So I said, like, oh, after the first punch, I was like, oh, look, I'll go to the guards, leave me alone. And then the second punch, they were like, this is what we think of the guards as they hit me. So the guards clearly know these fellas and they don't care. Okay, okay. So they just wanted to give you a good bashing, just beat you up. They didn't want to rob you. They didn't use whatever knife they had or whatever implement they had. They just wanted to beat you up for yeah. fun. Yeah, for fun. Yeah, by the yeah. Let's target this um, lone individual and just beat him up. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, like, I then ended. Up, I called the guards, um, and guards from Blarney came because there was none in the city. And yeah, the guards that arrived on the on the night, yeah, they were nice, and of course they were fine. And like, look, you need ambulance, all this stuff. And now, thankfully, I didn't need an ambulance, but I did end up going to hospital. Um, and I ended up with a concussion. Um, they were unsure. I potentially had a fracture to my cheekbone. Um, they weren't quite sure. Um, but basically, I've had double vision since. Ever since? Constant? Yeah. Incredibly frustrating. So you can't focus? It's, it's, it's quite hard to explain, but I have, I have double vision, yes. Down to this. Okay. Did you get a scan and everything? Yeah, scan, all the eye doctors, everything, and they just can't figure it out. But it's down to the attack, yeah. And will it pass eventually? I mean, this, this is like nearly that, that, three years that, later. That's what they. That's what I, I've been told. It will pass eventually. But again, it's been yeah, okay. like you said, nearly three years. Okay, that is horrific that you have an ongoing yeah. injury because of it, and it's made even more horrific by the fact that apparently you could identify one of them. Yeah, so I, I identified the guy with the knife. Um, I just happened to see him a couple of months later in a petrol station, and I was like, oh, okay, and phoned the guard and said, look, I saw this fella here at this time on this date the guard was like yeah grand we look at the CCTV and the guard response the guard's response then was oh yeah we know this fella he's um, a regular he's so, a regular he's a regular why isn't he behind bars exactly yeah you know so it's sort of like why bother did they you know, say that they could do anything about it when you had identified him sometime later well like uh, they said like oh yeah look we'll have a chat with him I was like, well, the chat's no good, like, you know, do something. And I've seen him multiple times since. But yet, so because of him and his thug friends, you're left with the consequences and the damage to your sight. Exactly, yeah. And, like, it's, why bother? You know, they've definitely hurt other people since, you know. It's like, why mm. bother phoning them if they're not going to do anything? Walking around with free you know? passes, like. Exactly, yeah. Two fi- um, no wonder they give two fingers or the middle finger. Sure, they know yeah. that the whole thing's a joke. Care. It's loaded I mean, it, in their favour with their free legal aid and you know all this kind of nonsense for repeat offenders. It's sort of like, what's the point? Like, they're, the guards are rarely there anyway. Like, you go to other countries. No matter where you go, you're nearly tripping over police. You are, you are. That's not... You, yeah, but that's, the, that's our government's fault. 
That's our elected officials' yeah. fault, not the Gardaí. And incidentally, I'd say if you were a guard, you'd be absolutely sick to death trying to get these characters oh, into court and yeah. seeing suspended sentences and awful childhoods and, you know, uh, community service Excuse and probation. Yeah. And, yeah. You'd be fed up if you wonder what's the point. Yeah, so like, yeah, it's not entirely their fault either, like, but still quite frustrating for victims. How, how do you feel now when you're out and about? Has that has that shook your um, shook your confidence? It has. I, I think I'm sort of, I wouldn't say over it, but I'm slightly more used to it. I know. I think, I know. like, the fact that everybody would be a bit anxious and nervous being out and about with, after COVID and all that stuff, that sort of, I wouldn't say helped, but... That enabled me to get over it quicker, I suppose. Yeah. Everyone else was sort of in the same boat. But would you be slow to find yourself on your own after dark or or what have you? Um, I'm not sure, to be honest. Like, I haven't really gone out much late at night since. Again, it's been... How did you feel when you saw your man? Angry. It's like, oh, there you are again. You know, chances are I could stroll around uh, the village and find him. If I really want to. And you know something? You know, if he saw you, he, he wouldn't even recognize you. No, because he's probably done it to a handful of people. Since. Yeah, he wouldn't even know who you are. No. Not that you would approach him or anything like that, but he wouldn't know your no. face in a crowd. No, no. All right, Alex, thank you so much for sharing. I appreciate it. It's not the easiest thing in the world to relive. Anybody that comes on the air and relives these kind of experiences to me, I'm always very grateful for it. Text 0868. Uh, 104, 106. Uh, I hate bringing this up at this hour of the morning and indeed on a Friday and we're heading into the weekend and I try and have Fridays to be kind of happy, clappier programs. But this is the state of things, you know. This is just our city and indeed in that case, our suburbs um, where there seems to be a bit of a free-for-all going on and it's been that way for a long, long time. we got Sheila and calls after the break. Just hold on just a quick ad break. Then. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. Uh, it's all about the perpetrator, not about the victim. I'm sick of excuses that they came from a deprived background, that they had drink or drug issues or bad childhood. Sick of it. Uh, that's from Sheila. Uh, McCurtain Street should have its own security, surely. I'm from Montanati. We used to socialise on McCurtain Street. It's a fabulous street, but it's a really dodgy area and has been for a while. From McCurtain Street right down to Lord Glanmire Road and up Summerhill North. Just not safe anymore. And one final one for now. Do give out my details, but that fight on McCurtain Street, the guards know who they all are and where to find them because they're all homeless people, availing of homeless services through the Simon community, St. Vincent's, etc. And they are long-term users. Um, so would there be any point, really, in the guardie investigating that if they're homeless people in the Simon uh, and down in their luck and have very little to be living for in the first place. Uh, what would the result of that be? That you'd be putting homeless people available who are using the Simon services into jail? Um, anyway, text 0868104106 and we'll come back to it throughout the course of the morning. Incidentally, it's a free food Friday today. It being Friday, your opportunity to scoop lunch for you and 15 of your work front, workmates. Even more, because Roosters Piri Piri are very generous in what they send out for free food Friday. So text who you are and where you are to 0868 
104-106. Now, start the shout-outs just after 10 o'clock this morning. And you will receive uh, wonderful starters, chicken wings, chicken skewers, and beef skewers. Then the main event includes chicken wraps, chicken pittas, and beef burgers, and all basted in the piri-piri sauce. You'll also get piri-salted fries, rice, waffle fries, and all the piri mayo and garlic mayo. But on top of that, as usual, you can build your own cheesecake dessert. All right, so that'll feed at least 15 of you, courtesy of ourselves and Roosters, Piri Piri, Douglas and Blackpool. So text who you are and where you are to 0868104106. On the subject of apprenticeships, um, and this is a live ongoing one, uh, I'm a four-man electrician and I have a first-year apprentice on over €300 Euro a week without overtime meaning that after overtime, the first-year apprentice will make a lot more than 300 a week. Um, you said recently in your program, get through the apprenticeship and think about the big money. Well, thinking about the big money while doing your apprenticeship doesn't pay the bills for now. It's hilarious. Well, I was trying to make the point that while you're going through your apprenticeship of three or four years, it's not unlike going to college for three or four years, UCC. You're not necessarily paid to go to UCC to study, are you? That's the logic I was making. I'm foreign and I'm a Sparks back home, but I'm not recognized here. I have to do it all over again. Four years. Morning, you're getting paid to learn, so I have no issue with a lower wage for apprenticeships. It's a decision you make at the start, so they should not be complaining, as in the big money will follow. Tradesmen charge what they bloody well like, or didn't you know? They charge similar prices to medical doctors for call-out. Um, it's, you know, the, the trades are an area where it's always very kind of grey as to how much it's ever going to cost you. It's not just the money uh, or the getting up early in the morning. It's also the physical labour. Guys don't want to do the job anymore. Well, you can't blame them. Most men in the trades, after 10 or 20 years, suffer with terrible long-term back pain. You can't blame people wanting to find clean, safer, easier jobs that pay higher wages and are easier on the body. I was mentioning earlier on this morning that the reason that uh, young people don't want to pick up apprenticeship jobs is they don't want to get out of bed at seven in the morning. Um, uh, I like the word that people use, you know, when they talk about paying apprenticeships. Somebody did this on the air. It's It's a word called paying for their socialization. Is that a new word for paying for drink? Uh, Sorry, but when I did my apprenticeship, I did one day in college. Any good company or apprentice willing to learn will learn far more hands-on in the workplace. Books are important, but you can have guys with folders of paperwork galore scratching their heads when it comes to the manual side of it, says Mick. Now, there's lots more text like that, which I'll come back to throughout the course of the morning. But can I just do this now? Because otherwise I'll run out of time as I go through the morning. Talking about manual work. I mentioned that I got an opportunity to see it myself with my own eyes. The beauty that's buried beneath the paint in many of our buildings in the city centre. The Victoria Hotel. I don't want to repeat myself over and over again. Um, Instead of doing that, let me just talk to the company behind it. Chris Southgate. He's the conservation engineer with Southgate Associates and joins me by phone. Chris, good morning. Hi, good to speak to you, Neil. Are you amazed with the amount of interest in this? I'd say the last 24 hours have been a flurry of activity for you with regards to media. Do you you ever wonder why? Well, I think it's partly due to the beauty of this wonderful cork limestone where the the quarries are are, um, no longer available, you know. So it's it's kind of, it's, it's a... It's a stone which sort of is identified with cork, you know, and the quarry stands only, you know, less than 500 metres, I would say, from me here, you know. 
but I it's think, the bull mound quarry the... you're a, you're referring to, isn't it, Chris? Yeah, yeah. yes, indeed. And that but quarry would have been used for lots of other Cork City buildings back in the day. Ab- you know, ab- many of the banks. Ab- absolutely. Um, yeah. In fact, the um, you know the Cork Savings Bank is is constructed from the same material, but so is St Finbar's Cathedral and many other buildings around. Cork, generally the better quality buildings. So, I mean, one doesn't expect, you, in what I thought at planning stage would have been a, a plastered facade, yeah. you know, with li- lined sort of joints, but it actually turned out to be um, uh, constructed from this wonderful material. I hope that everybody uh, who has an opportunity to see it goes in at the week and have a look. Just, just talk me through. Talk me through what you planned and do because it's it's a re, it's a, a what is it? It's a complete and utter refurb of the old hotel, isn't it? So you had to look at the building and say, okay, what it are we going to do with my, this? My, my responsibility is essentially the external envelope of the building above first floor level. So there's a, there's a modern, beautifully designed shop front going in by Grafton Architects at, at ground floor level. But, you know, often often we concentrate on the shop fronts and, and don't look up in these buildings. But this certainly has got people looking up because it's, it's actually a very, very high quality building dating from 1810. Well, how did you decide to say... Let's get rid of the paint. See what's behind it. Well, that happened in 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 um, in September of last year. I went up went up in a hoist actually before the scaffolding was erected, and did a couple of trials and found out. You know, one would have to be basically if one was replastering the building, one would have to get back to a good substrate. So the first thing to do was to remove what was there, and I found that it was paint, and you could see this beautifully tooled, hand-tooled um, uh, uh, stonework called ashless stonework with incredibly fine joints. You know, so that was, that was an exciting discovery. And I said, look, guys, you know, we, we're going to have to take the paint off anyway, uh, you know, to, to, to get the plaster to here. We might as well clean the stone facade. And I think there was an immediate... Uh, immediate excitement about that concept because of course it, it, it's a great advertisement for the building yeah. a great advertisement for Cork yeah. and it also I think it, it, it activates the whole street in some way, it's not just the building it has, it has an effect on things that happen around it you know so you must have been very excited then as you were excavating, it's like, it's like archaeology really well, isn't I, it? I suppose it is like archaeology, but I mean that that excitement for me was in September of last year, of course, uh, and it was shared with other members of the design team. But it wasn't until you know the actual cleaning process started, which was quite tricky. You know that 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 in a sense the enthusiasm began to began to grow. Yeah. So this is a building that was originally constructed in 1810. Right. Yeah. Why would yeah. it have been covered in paint and plaster at some stage? Well, that's a very interesting question, and and to be honest with you, originally I couldn't figure it out, and um, as often is the case in the conservation of materials, the actual process of restoration starts to inform you, and you get answers during the process, and the answer in this case was that I think the paint was put on to waterproof the building. And the building would have literally leaked like a sieve. And the reason is, Neil, is that the, the stone joints are so thin. It's very easy, if you can imagine, 
building the stone on a bed of mortar that that's easy part but to get mortar into the vertical joint is in, is quite complicated yeah, yeah. Uh, and i checked how much mortar there was in the vertical joints and there was none So the price to pay for that, for fixing that, was to plaster over the beautiful work and paint it. (laughs) Well, they didn't plaster over it. They just painted it with a waterproof paint, luckily. So there was no plaster removal, which means that we we were able to get back to quite an original texture of the stone, showing all the hand-working tooling marks and everything. But the important point to make is that of course, if one was to just to repoint the vertical joints in the building, one would have had an equivalent wall thickness of about 20 millimeters. Uh, as you know, Neil, if you had a, a four-inch um, a four-inch uh, wall, one would be worried about its weatherproofing characteristics. And the paradox is that a small joint will carry water back into the building very quickly through capillary action. So what we had to do is we had to back up those joints grouting lime into it with a um, with a, um, a, a, a syringe, you know, you know so, so that was a meticulous, <laughs> Very meticulous, meticulous process. Congratulations on it. Do you, do you think that there are other buildings hidden like this, facades like this across the city centre? Well, I mean, next door is, to it and second next door to it are similar buildings. Yeah, Pandora next door would, would, would be a case in point, but I think it would be a rare find to find actual... Um, cork limestone but 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 there are many other um unique restoration opportunities you know we've recently done a, a brickwork um facade restoration in bridge street um uh, you know which which will eventually become a, a, a bar for the cask operators yeah but, i mean that has been a an 18th century facade restoration that started life for me, it's a dangerous building and has now got one of the best tenants one could 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 imagine for the incredible, building. Incredible. So, I mean, I think each building is different, but some buildings plaster facades. I mean, one could one could paint facades. One could, one could do an awful lot to these buildings. Um, and also, it's not it's not just about a sort of fossilized sense of restoring them back to the uh, you know, 18th or 19th century original. It's it's also about having appropriate and active modern uses and adaptive uses for these buildings. With you know, sometimes modern shop fronts carefully designed, as the case in the Victoria Hotel. Yeah, just two quick questions for you, just cur- courtesy of time. Um, w- one is, do you think that we look up enough in our city? Well, I think we could look at. Up enough. I think we could look up more. And one one of the things that is being looked at now is too much traffic in the city. So there's, there's you, you know, we're not looking at these buildings from a, a public realm at a distance. You know, and and I'm glad to say that Cork City Council is reconsidering, you know, movement strategy in Cork City, and that we, you, you know, to make it more human and more. Kind of a, a place where people are, are pleased to live in, rather than a, a, a sort of place to drive through. That's right. <laughs> Benny McCabe is all, Benny McCabe figures that in fifteen or twenty years that the city will be a vibrant living hub where people live in the city and use it as their home, or indeed, if you like, as their as their back garden. And finally, what will the Victoria Hotel become when it's finished and completed? 
Well, at the moment, it's going to become a, a, a retail bookshop, you know, which, I mean, books are, uh, uh, bookshops are lovely, lovely kind of um, things to have, you know, and, and I, I think that, um, you know, that the, the, the question that you ask is what's going to happen above, above the bookshop. It, yeah. and, and there are many, many opportunities for reuse of the upper floors of buildings, but there is obstacles for that because technical problems, particularly fire regulation, you know, are causing this problem. But there are solutions. If you look at other cities in Europe, like Amsterdam, and I've just been looking at the, the sort of international code of practice for fire safety in buildings, there are practical methods, but uh, this is not necessarily the responsibility of Cork City Council in our, our city. It's, it's a sort of a national problem that I think government needs to look at, you know, how we get suitable apartment sizes into buildings, how we deal with the technical problems, and that, that's, that's a real challenge for the future, because it does provide a solution to the to housing in general. Yeah, because you know? so many um, of them are just empty above the shop, aren't they, Chris? Yeah, yeah. It, 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 we, we have failed uh, in this country, and I know you can hear my English accent, but I've been here since 1986, <laughs> and I, I, I've virtually got the cork passport, <laughs> and certainly my children consider themselves as yeah. as um, Irish and, and cork. But I think that, you know, that, that we have a challenge now, uh, and I'd love to be involved in that challenge you know, because um, there are solutions. We need to look a little bit further uh, afield than 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 national legislation. We need to look at how they're doing it in other cities in Europe. How they managed to get around through. it. Yeah. yeah. Listen, congratulations yeah. on the work. It's an incredible job. Well, thank you very much. Thank, thank you so much for taking the call. Have a good okay. weekend, Chris Southgate, Bye. conservation engineer with Southgate Associates. What they do is they're heritage consultants. Heritage consultants. We have a lot of heritage on Lee Side. If you're in the city, have a look. The old Victoria. It's just a gorgeous thing. It'll lift your spirits. Back after ten. I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. Get it off your chest. Text The Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Yes, indeed. Uh, we'll get to Free Food Friday in a couple of seconds' time. Um, very sad news this morning for those of you that would have been fans of the musician and composer Vangelis. He has died at the age of 79, and I'm a big fan of his music. The Oscar-winning composer behind Chariots of Fire. And other songs beside that, he had some fabulous, fabulous albums. Many, many albums. He's got a, an Academy Award back in 82 for the best original score uh, for his uh, scoring of the film Chariots of Fire. you seen that film? Great film. If you haven't seen it, try and get your hands on a copy of it. So he's passed away at the age of 79. He actually won, as I say, an Academy Award for it in 82, but he didn't go to the Hollywood ceremony, if I remember correctly, because uh, he didn't like flying. In fact, he wasn't even awake. He slept through the whole ceremonies and didn't, didn't even know that he'd won an Oscar for it, an Academy Award for it. But he passed away uh, yesterday at the age of 79. Another good one gone, lads. Epic song he did with uh, John Anderson from Yes, I'll Find My Way Home. And of course, the theme from Chariots of Fire. Uh, Vangelis the Greek, 
who died this week at the age of 79. Musically, as I chat about things musical, we have a couple of tickets to give away for Westlife. Are you a Westlife fan? They're off on the world tour, of course, and will make Potsadosh too. And why shouldn't they? Big, big interest in Westlife right across the world. And they play Parky Cueve on Friday, the 12th of August, and Saturday, the 13th of August. And I've got a pair of tickets to give away this side of midday. If you're a Westlife fan or you know someone that is, I'll slip in at some stage this morning a Westlife song. We'll take caller number 10 when you hear Westlife on this program on 0818-104-106 for Westlife at Parky Cueve this coming August. So that's what you're listening for. Free Food Friday, courtesy of ourselves and Roosters Piri Piri Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park. So text who you are and where you are to 86 Here are the morning shout-outs to start. Bar One Racing on Evergreen Road, Turner's Cross, because they're simply the best and they're very good to me. Morning to everybody at Zoo Cars Little Island. Morning, Dennis. There's 30 of them and they're all starving. Oliver Hayes' gardening services in Bandon are listening. Rockwell Engineering in Ringeskiddy would love lunch and free food Friday lunch, please, for Cheeky Cherubs in Bishopstown and Ballancolic, looking after all the babbies and the toddlers. Morning to all of the staff at the Dean Hotel, particularly the accommodation and cleaning staff. Blue Coast Skip Hire would love some food from their hungry, hard-working men in Cove. AP Vaughan Recycling and Tar doing something similar. Would also love some lunch today. All-in-one interiors in Holly Hill. Nagel Fireplaces and Stoves in Mallow. Wishing us all a great weekend. Munster Garden Sheds. Morning, Jerry. His last day today after 44 years of service. And they'd love a feast to celebrate. Well done, Jerry. 44 years. Fair play to you. The Millennium Hair Clinic in Blackpool. All of the staff, especially Valerie, because she's simply amazing. To everybody working at Cork Kent Station at the railway station. To uh, O'Leary O'Sullivan Developments at Coppinger's Field in White's Cross. To Area Carpets and Flooring in Lehenna Moor. Kiri's Renault on the Kinsale Road. Uh, Praxis Care on the Monaghan Road. Just another few. Take Max in Douglas. Morning Lorcan and D and all of the staff. Civil Registration Offices the HSE, Rathpeak and Fireplaces where no job is big, too big nor too small. How are you, Nicholas? All the staff at CBC, uh, Carney's Coaches, Carrigaline Joinery, the HSC Old Library Building on St. Mary's Road are listening, as is Noreen's Hair Studio on White's Cross, and Armea, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, Arma, Irma, maybe, Connect, in Blackpool. Uh, so we'll do some more shout-outs in a half an hour's time. Text who you are and where you are to uh, 0868104106. Now, uh, I will be coming back to uh, more of our uh, wonderful holiday memory stories. And it's Friday and I want to talk things like that. We've got a great prize to give away courtesy of uh, Cork Airport and Welling. Um, and it's your chance to head off to uh, Paris for a weekend with all the trimmings. And one of the, one, one, actually more than one of our stories across the week are holiday memories of people um, heading down to Yall, yeah, whether it was on the train or in the Morris Minor or whatever the case may be. But you remember when we were chatting about the donkey rides on the Strand in Yall? I just want to come back to that actually and chat with, uh, with Liz Foley. Now, Liz, sorry for holding you so long. Good morning. Good morning. Now, your dad ran the donkey rides in Yall. Am I right? That's right. And horses, yeah. Donkeys and horses. For, yeah. for well over 40 years. Um, and more, I'd say, you're talking about the early 60s. Go away. Yeah. From the early 60s? Yeah. Um, for at least 40 years. Has he passed away, Liz? He, he, he passed away 40 years ago. Yesterday was actually his anniversary. Wow, Connie Daly. Yeah, that's right. And tell us about the backstory to this. You say 15 horses and 7 donkeys. I thought it was yeah. just the one donkey. No, no, no. 
um, what you call it, um, he had a, a lot of them and he had um, a trap as well. Now, there was other people had horses on the beach as well, but um, he had a lot of them. So when I was a small fella back in the late 60s or whatever, yeah. up on the back of a donkey on the strand in, in Yall, that was yeah. your dad's donkey? Yeah, that's right. And was it just all through the summer? Yeah, just the summer, yeah. Okay. And where did he keep the donkeys? Um, in different fields uh, near the beach, sometimes near the beach, some more times um, just behind our house at home, there was fields. You know? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, like, when you say 15 horses and 7 donkeys, was that over the 40 years? Yeah. So he'd replace them as they went along, got old and passed away? Sometimes, for, for the winter, sometimes he'd give them to farmers. Other times he'd sell them at Tala Horse Fair and he'd uh, buy more again before the summer Right, comes. right. And what else did he do to turn across, across to Connie Daly? Sorry? What else did he do to earn a living besides that? Because that's a short um, season. He, what you call it, um, for the winter... Uh, he done timber. He used to um, work in different, um, with factories, different things. <laughs> you know? I hear tell that you never got a holiday yourself because kids... Never. Did, were, were there many... Did Connie Daly have many kids? Um, I'm the youngest, out, well, out of 15, but only nine lived. Wow. That's a yeah. lot of children. Sadly, a lot passed away. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's sad. So you had uh, you you were rounded up to work the summer holidays, then, were you? Yeah, and we had our friends riding the horses and uh, local people around town. You know, my brothers and sisters' friends. Every everyone was kind of involved in it. And when Connie passed away, did yourself and your brother carry on the tradition on Yallstrand? Yeah, my brother and myself done it for a while, but my brother lost interest in and I was actually last to do it. Yeah, yeah. And I, yeah. Suppo- and I suppose the amount of people going down to Yall Beach over the decades got less and less as people went overseas on holidays, didn't they? Yeah. 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 But uh, every year you kind of knew the same people that used to come down. A lot of people used to come down for the whole summer. Absolutely, because they'd have a caravan there or a mobile home. And you got to know them and they'd come, they'd be straight down. The minute they'd arrive in Yall, they'd just come straight down to the house. From where? Like the likes of Red Barn, is it? Yeah, anywhere, you know. Yeah. Must have been an incredible place to grow up, say, for instance, in the 60s and 70s. Because it was just thriving, wasn't it? And thronged with people. Now, I can barely remember the trains, but I can remember them. And the crowds were unreal, like. Amazing, wasn't it? And I suppose no, when you look back now, you think every day was a sunny day, wouldn't you, Liz? Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. brilliant. Yeah. We, you know, we had great memories of it. I mean, we've, I'd say there's photos of us all over the world. Without a doubt. I'd say there's an awful lot of people listening to me right now who themselves were up in the back of a, of a Foley donkey or a daily donkey, I should yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we were, we were actually on postcards. <laughs> do you ever? Do you remember the very, very famous postcard of the red-headed, freckled young fella with the donkey and the two sides of turf on the donkey? Do you remember that for years? That's right. Do you remember yeah. that one? Were you on yeah. one like that? No, well, the, the, the postcard we're on, it was actually a group of us standing with the horses. <laughs> you know? Are they all gone now, all the horses and donkeys? Oh, yeah, yeah. My sister, I kind of... 
uh, done it for a few years um, uh, was involved with horses but she didn't do the beach with them you I know? know yeah I didn't do the beach run was there, yeah. was, I mean I don't mean to pry but there was handy money to be made in it I suppose I suppose so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Wasn't you know, there, wasn't I there mean no when my father started off it was only sixpence a ride that time I wonder what would, the, what, would the, what would that be the equivalent of now a euro maybe I suppose so. Yeah, sure, what the hell? Throw yeah. a euro. And he, he only started off with a working horse. <laughs> you know? I'm transported back to a six or seven year old on the beach in y'all up on top of one of your dad's donkeys. Thank you so much for that. Wasn't there, wasn't there <laughs> oh. point to point racing and all sorts of things on that beach? Um, out an inch What's near y'all. Right. It'd yeah. be pint, pints every year. You know? Fabulous. Happy days, happy days. Did he die young or how old was he? Uh, he was um, 62, I think. Wasn't he very young when he passed he away? He was very young, yeah. And my mother was only 58. Go away, go away. Sad my mother used to actually make the saddles for the donkeys. She made the saddles. I don't remember a saddle. I, don't know, was, I, yeah. thought, I thought it was bareback. <laughs> no, no. For the donkeys, she used to make her, uh, her own saddles. Saddle and all. That's yeah, great and that was by hand, no machine. Go away out of that. Go away yeah. out of that. So you had long summers working on the beach. Yeah. Did you get the odd bag of chips, I suppose, uh, for your troubles. Yeah, but it was great, it was great times. We were, no, we brought sandwiches and flasks and, you know, we were never hungry or anything, you know. I know, I know. Simpler times, weren't they? Oh, there were great times. There were great times. There were great yeah. times. Well, listen, thanks so much for coming on. I'm delighted. We, I'm delighted we tracked you down. Your dad would be proud of you. Thanks, Liz. Thank you. Thanks very much. All the best. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818 Yep. Cork's Red FM. And in association with Welling Airlines and Cork Airport, we have a fantastic city break to Paris with return flights for two. We'll have a winner this morning and must get our fifth and final finalist. So you'll have hotel accommodation in Paris for two nights. Your flights a 200 euro voucher for the loop. Uh, at Cork Airport to spend in the shopping mall there and you'll stay in the Aspire Executive Lounge of the airport while waiting for your flight and if you drive then the parking is free during the duration of your prize trip that's courtesy of ourselves Cork Airport and Vueling Airlines once I decided to spend a holiday in a very different country not the usual type so a friend of mine invited me to go to a wedding in Finland it was a beautiful summer. I told my wife that I, I told my mother that I was going to Finland for holidays with a friend, but after a while she noticed that my holiday was going on way too long. So she eventually called to ask if I was coming back at all. And I said, "Yes, I'll be back to prepare for my marriage." You see, I had fallen in love with a Finnish guy, and now in June we will be together for 12 years, says Carolina. Lovely story of love. Most memorable holiday moment was cage shark diving in Hawaii says Leanne in Cove. I'd love to hear some more about that if you want to ever share the experience. I've never done a cage dive. I've done a virtual reality cage dive um, with goggles on where the actual shark tears the cage apart and is trying to bite me to bits. Uh, memorable holiday when I was nine years old, Christmas morning. Santi had left a letter for my sister and I. Karen was a bit older and could read much faster and she started screaming with excitement. I was still on the first line and couldn't read it fast enough. Eventually... On the Christmas morning, we got to the end of it. We were off to Euro Disney the following day. Oh my God, the excitement. My parents, Karen and myself, stayed two nights in Paris and then four days in Euro Disney. I'll never forget that trip. 
and would love to revisit Paris now that I'm 28 years old, says Louise. Lovely text, great memory. We're asking for holiday memories. My most amazing memory was a helicopter flight over Niagara Falls and then the boat trip to the Niagara Falls themselves. It was an amazing experience, says Luke. One or two more. Uh, we were in Banna Bay Resort. We used to stay in the caravan park and we had the most amazing times in the sand dunes. And what did we do with a lot of our time? Played cards. Little did I know my uncle used to be cheating, looking over my shoulder at the cards. I used to get so mad because he always won. He was a card shark. Uh, another one or two. Um, when myself and my sister were small, my dad bought a caravan and told us we were going to travel the country for our holiday this year for two weeks. Myself and my older sister were looking at him as if he had two heads but I can honestly say it was the best holiday I ever had. We started here in Cork, went all the way up to Donegal with all of the stops on the way, camping up on the most beautiful beaches and gorgeous stops that Ireland had to offer. He showed us our country on that holiday. And for that, I am eternally grateful. By far the best holiday I ever had. I'd love to give my dad the opportunity to come on holiday with me to another beautiful city like Paris. Love the show. And that's from, from Holly in y'all. It's beautiful. It reminded me actually that during COVID and all of the restrictions and, you know, the flight things that were going on where you couldn't fly, an awful lot of people discovered Ireland for the first time too. My favorite holiday tradition is myself and my boyfriend have now started uh, with uh, our own kids. Since I moved to Cork every year, we've gone to Onahinship. We spend a week there and also on day trips to the beautiful beaches. It's my boyfriend's holiday destination with his grandparents as well every single year. And just one or two more. Uh, memorable holiday was when I booked a two-night trip for my husband. Well, he wasn't a husband at the time. We weren't long together at the time. I was suffering from severe anxiety and we had no sooner landed in Paris that I had a panic attack. He could see that I was struggling. So he booked us an earlier flight home. I knew then that he was a keeper. It's happened a few times again after that. Again, one night in Marbella instead of a planned week. I'd love to take him back to Paris for two nights. It's sad that it's debilitating your ability to travel, isn't it? That's an unfortunate thing. I don't have your name, but thanks for the text. Holidays uh, were few as kids, but y'all was by far the best. Other than that, our summers, when it was nice, were spent up in the Lee Baths the Lee Fields, and down Fitzgerald's Park. We'd be gone from nine in the morning till eleven at night. My man brought food and we were all fed and happy. So the entire days of the summer were spent in the Lee Fields and Fitzgerald's Park with homemade sandwiches and maybe a flask of tea. I love it. And there's reams of them. I want to come back to them as best I can between now and quitting time. But I've never seen such a response for anything. People love holiday memories and nostalgia of that, you can be sure. Uh, anyway, back to the phone lines we go. Tony, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm good. Are we staying with the donkeys on your beach? We are. Go ahead. Yeah, I remember when well, we, we, we scored down there in July, the first two weeks in July. We, from we, where? We, from we, Cork we, City, uh, is it? Yeah, from Cork City, which is Berlin. Right, okay. It's very good. Right. Every July we scored down with Oldfield. As kids, is it? Oh, we were only kids at that time. That was 50 odd years ago. How did you get down there? Well, if it was that long ago, it was probably the train, was it? There was that. Maybe Uncle, Uncle Dangard was in there and he was in a big old car. And he had to make two trips. <laughs> because you had to bring around your own big clothes and pillars and everything and your pots and pans down there. We used no shanty town there below the Hilton. Hilton was still to be. What shanty town? Tell me about, tell me about the shanty town. 
It doesn't still there's there was little cabins there and they spread them out to the families there every year for the summer holidays. And were they decent enough to live in and stay in? What do I order you want a table, chairs, a couple of bunk beds? Then you have to say the families they have to sit there, they use going up bowling up the road in in the evenings. And it's in a pub, then it's the Farrell's pub. Into Farrell's pub. That was the Cork City pub, was it? Yeah, that was the Cork pub. And tell me about your don. Tell me about the donkey story. Then, do you remember them? I do, of course, but I will. We used we used all the beach. We obviously used pair of like all the was it toppers or toppers? We used pair for the ride. <laughs> and we got to the old Billy. Then got us these swallow tickets. They don't. And he used give us the donkeys, bring them back up to his house, up the back way, up the. Up by Farrell's pub, up that way, back up to his Farrell's house. Yeah. Every day we used to be up and down with him. <laughs> do you give, give you free rides for the donkey trips? Or did you for yes, the work? So, so we'd be riding up and, down the, up and down the road in the evenings anyway. <laughs> Happy days. Well, you were a small fella then, yeah? I would have been about 12, 13, kind of a small little hairy little fella. Right? And, w- and would you stay down there for the summer? Oh, for two weeks of July. Oh, just the fortnight. Some people would go down in the first day of June and wouldn't come back till the first of September. Ah, they were the wealthy people. Ah, the dads might go up and down to Fords <laughs> or Dunlops or something, but the family would stay yeah. below. Oh, yeah, they'd be up and down to walk then, like my father as well, yeah. <laughs> Happy days. They'd be up and down to walk. Happy I days. I would go down on the train, you know, with all the lads, then every other second week or whatever. Wouldn't it be great if there was still a train to you all? Oh, Jesus, it was brilliant. You'd be hanging out to the wall. <laughs> Happy days. Well done. Oh, Jesus. I, I, it was great. Yeah, it was great. That was in Spain. Yeah, it was before people started taking plane trips to Spain, wasn't it? Oh, Jesus. I tell you, it's a shame they got rid of the train going up and down there. I know. I know. Hindsight's Thank a wonderful you. thing. Fair play. Thanks, Tony. Thanks for sharing. Thanks Cheers, pal. Take care. Take okay. care. Lisa, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you? Okay. We're asking for most memorable holiday memories and stories. Go ahead. I too, so I'll make them quick. The first one now, Neil, was a fancy holiday rent, and when I was younger, it was about 1983, it was about five, and my dad borrowed a green uh, Morris Minor, and myself, my mum, my dad, my two brothers headed to Clarny from Yall for the weekend. Morris Minors featured a lot on this programme during the week. Did every family back yeah. in the day have Morris Minors? We did I don't it. know, but it was, this, one, this one wasn't even ours, we had to borrow it. Right. <laughs> I didn't even know if he had to drive a nice time. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got in and we headed down to the camping site in Clarny and back then, now it's not Angela's ashes, but back then we'd no shower at home, we'd no electric shower and my mother was terrified of water and we went into, do you know the big shower stalls within the camping site? I do, yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. my mother brought me in for the shower and the water hit her face when she turned on the shower and she started screaming the place down and my dad ran in, he didn't know what was going on, he ran in, grabbed her naked and pulled her out to see what was wrong with her in front of everybody. But it was a, he ran into the women's shower block? He ran into the shower block. With other, women, with other women in there? Loads of women and children. For God's sake. Did they, I mean, how did, screaming how, and he ran in. And how did they react to him running into the women's shower block? I, <laughs> I, it was done so fast, no, I said I didn't even notice. Why, did your, in, why, is your mother, did, why did your mother have a fear of water? Like, did you ever wash herself? She, sure, from Yall. <laughs> what? I don't know how she'd a fair of water because we live in we live in Yall by the beach, like. But 
apparently a couple of her cousins pulled her out into the water when she was younger down um, in Green Hole in Yall and frightened her. Ah, well, I can understand why she'd have a fear of the sea or swimming in the water. But she didn't have a fear of shower or bath water or tap water, though. She didn't have a fear of shower water or bath water Thank God. tap water. (laughs) But we didn't have a shower at home and she probably didn't know if she ever had a shower. But when she turned it on, the water just came straight down (laughs) into her face and she panicked. What's and screamed and he ran in like commando then grabbing her and pulling her out. I don't even know if I was even pulled out. I was probably still lifting her strong. Oh, what's the other story? We were in Tarmeline a few years and years ago. Myself and my boyfriend, my husband now, and a friend of ours and her boyfriend. And, you know, when you're washing the clothes and you hang them out in the clothes outside on the balcony. Yeah. We were in a ground floor apartment. So all our clothes were hanging out in the balcony. And this one night, Somebody came along and they robbed all the clothes on all the ground floor. Everything off, all the clothes, horses and everything. And they obviously didn't want to go sailing because all they left behind was my big knickers and my bikini. I was mortified. Everyone else's clothes were robbed except mine. I was. I could pretend mine were stolen because I was absolutely mortified. You were raging that yours weren't stolen. I was like a lunatic. Mine were left on, mine were, mine were left on the clothes horse. Now, it was a little bit bigger. My friend was like a skinny milling. But, like, they didn't touch her little G-string. They obviously didn't want to go sailing because they left mine behind. Oh, I had to tell her. I don't know if I even told her the truth. I even told her mine were stolen, too. I had to pretend I was absolutely oh mortified. Oh, That's incredible. <laughs> So that's right. it. And okay. I'm lucky that we get to live everyone else's their old holidays down in Yall. We get to live them every day, thank God. Good stuff. Well, regards to you all down east. Thanks, Lisa. Take care of yourself. Amy, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are no, you? I'm well, thanks. This isn't all that long ago. Um, you got. Would you get married in Lanzarote? You did? I did nine years ago today, okay. actually. Okay. All right. Oh, well, happy but, um, anniversary. Thank you. Thank you. Well done. Um, anyway. We were we flew out the week before the wedding. Myself, my daughter, my husband, now my brother and sister, but they were very young. And um, as a surprise on the day we were flying out, my mom got us a limo to the airport, and we arrived with hours to kill. Now arrived in style, big celebration, brilliant. But because we were getting married in Lanzarote, we thought a wedding cake would be a waste of money, so we got a fake wedding cake topper, and it was made of styrofoam. It's and a fake had- cake of fi- of styrofoam, is it? Yeah, so that was classed as highly flammable. But we had caricatures of the three of us in the cake and they were made around barbecue skewers. So they were classed as a deadly weapon. So we had to get special permission from the pilot to bring these on board. That was fine. So we had the cake. We had wedding dresses, bridesmaid dresses, flower girl dresses, suits. So got to the airport, got all of these through security. So they went to put my mom's hand luggage through and it started beeping and they started coming around. And we, I opened the bag and there was bacon, cabbage, rashers, sausages, <laughs> butter and coleslaw in the hand luggage. Is any, is any <laughs> of that allowed on a flight to Lanzarote? Um, I think everything. The issue was the coleslaw. It Not the bacon. And, well, who was the bacon and cabbage for? Because the the band that was singing at our wedding were from Dublin originally, and my mum used to bring it over for them. <laughs> and, 
<laughs> we kind of had built up a relationship. Oh, so the them, band, you know. the band are in Lanzarote all of the time, and we're craving Irish bacon and cabbage. So your mum decided it'd be a good idea to bring it out to them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got gotcha. you. But the coleslaw <laughs> was the problem. Why? Yeah, that was classed as a liquid, and it was over a hundred mils. <laughs> coleslaw so, is uh, not a liquid; it's a solid thing. I don't know, according to airport police, anyway, it's a liquid. Okay. But um, we also had a buggy, you know, as carry-on luggage. And I remember my brother and sister were very small, and I was freaking out, you know, and there was more sausages and rashes coming out of the bag. And <laughs> I just wanted to strangle her at this stage, you know. And I remember catching the three small children, and I just ran them to my husband. I was like, get on the flight, get on the flight, I'll follow you later, follow you later. But anyway... We got through airport security. Did they let her keep the sausages, the rashers, the bacon and the cabbage? Everything went through by the cold slot. So, you know, I don't think I spoke to her for the four hours anyway, you know, the flight over. And then we got to the other side and like, you know, tempers, you know, and tensions were high. And I had my wedding dress in the suit bag and I threw it over, you know, the kind of basket part of the the luggage trolley. Yeah. And my husband didn't see it. So the dress slipped off the back of the trolley. He rolled over it, got oil all along the the wedding dress. Oh, my God. We forgot the buggy. We lost the buggy. But anyway, we settled in and we had a week there before everyone came and the wedding and whatever. So my dad and my granddad were flying out the following week. And my mom had asked my cousin, you know, mind them in the airport, make sure they have everything they need, their hand luggage, you know, two men flying on their own. Excuse me, are you saying the men are incapable of making a flight? Excuse me. Well, the men in our family are anyway, because we do everything for them. Last time I checked, it's your mother that messed things up with bacon and cabbage and coleslaw and sausages. Thank you very much. (laughs) But, um, oh, my cousin went up to them in the airport anyway, and she was like, where's your hand luggage? And my dad handed her a dunce plastic bag. (laughs) And she opened it, and there was two passports. And um, a slice pan, Brennan's slice pan. <laughs> and she's, she said, what's that for? And he was like, I don't know. She told me bring it because I might like a nice sandwich when I land. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, moral of the story, we got married and we were all very well fed. Thanks to my mother. And the band got their bacon and cabbage, did they? They did, and they continue to get it every year when my mum goes over on holiday. Oh, my God. Cork people are great storytellers. Thanks, Amy. Yeah. Great story. Thank Happy you, anniversary. Sir. Good luck. Thank you. You can't beat a plate of bacon and cabbage. I had my new spuds last night. They were absolutely delishamundo. And Noreen, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. So you're interrailing around Europe with friends in 2015, is it? Yeah, that was right, yeah. Okay, tell us the story behind that. Um, so we decided, a group of friends and myself went into railing around Europe, and in one of the countries we were in Austria, uh, we were on the metro going to, I think, from Vienna to Salzburg. And when we were on the metro, we met, like, an elderly lady who was looking to get off the train. Sorry, the train. So she had pressed the stop button. She had she a zimmer train. frame, though, didn't she, this elderly? A zimmer frame, yeah. So she... Was I obviously had a poor mobility, so she was sitting down, and we could see that she wanted to go off. So we said we'd do the good deed by trying to help her get off the train. So two of us took the Zimmer frame and left it on the platform when the train had stopped. 
And when the others were trying to help her off, the door shut the train <laughs> and the train cut off. I'm sorry for laughing. So there's a language barrier there, so she didn't know what to say to us. Or we didn't know what to say to her, so like in half the train, so on the train, we were stood there, like just looking, some were laughing, and other people were horrified of what happened. So, no, I see. Uh, I, I mean, yeah. I need to see the serious side of this. So, you have the elderly woman in her late 80s on the train, yeah. train pulls out, and the Zimmer, she's looking at the Zimmer frame on the platform. <laughs> yeah. What That's happened next? Thankfully, so we, like, one of my friends at the time, she was studying German in college, so she tried to communicate with her in German, but the woman was just, she didn't know what to say to us. She was just looking at us, looking confused. But thankfully, another passenger in the train, a young fellow, I'd say, in his about 20s at the time, like, explained the situation to her and offered, offered to get off this next stop with her and bring her back. And he, he spoke English as well, so... He said he'd help us out, but we haven't heard the story yet, so we don't know. Did she, did she get her Zimmer frame back or not? <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't heard by now, you're hardly going to hear age 77 <laughs> years later on. That elderly woman was thinking, I wish to God they'd just left me alone. <laughs> it still haunts us today. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that's unreal. Thanks so much for that, Noreen. Cheers. Take okay, care. All the best. I was chatting with a buddy yesterday. Went off on holidays himself and his girlfriend at the time and his buddy and his girlfriend and the four of them went off on holidays and apparently they got off the airport and you know you get these coach buses then to take you to the various hotels. So the two girls got on the coach bus and the two lads decide to have a fag and they're having the fag waiting and then they finish the fag and they get on the bus and they're looking out the window absolutely horrified because there's the two girlfriends and another bus looking at them. Both buses took off in different directions entirely. It's probably not up there with the Zimmer frame story, but it just shows how easily these things can happen. And from there to Venice, I was in Venice for a second time and I saw a VIP water taxi dropping a VIP to a VIP boat. It was in the middle of the film festival. There was a moment's silence, honestly, nearly as out of respect for this celebrity. It was Richard Gere. I broke the silence and called out, Hi Richard, hi Richard. He responded with a lovely hello in his American drawl. He had turned to the crowd, but obviously that hello was for me only. And hello and away from Richard Gere. Back after the break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818-104-106. Red FM. And don't forget, it's a free food Friday today, being Friday, courtesy of ourselves and Roosters, Perry Perry, Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park. So you need to be texting who you are and where you are to 0868-104-106. I'll do the next bunch of shout-outs, hopefully this side of 11, and then we'll pick a winner. It'll feed up to 15 of you, courtesy of ourselves and Roosters, Perry Perry. But I'm going to stay with the phone lines here. Massive response this week. Absolutely incredible. Great storytelling on Leeside. Neve, good morning. Now, can you hear me all right, Hi, Neve? Neve I'm well. You yeah, were 16 at the time. And, I, and the, sh- the kind of like slightly edited version of this is you went to Boston uh, with your mom and a yeah. friend and her mom, and you were staying with an auntie in Boston, but went to New York for the weekend, is it? Yeah, yeah. So we had uh, been promised by our mums that we could go to Boston after we did our junior cert. Right. Um, and my auntie lives there. So plan was we'd fly to Boston and then we would get the bus to New York for the weekend and do a bit of shopping. And every 16-year-old girl wants to do that. Like, okay. So was it just the two of you? Delighted. 
No, 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 the four of us. Okay, because I was just thinking about two 16-year-olds wandering around New York on their own. Okay, all right, go ahead. Although uh, my mom probably, I wouldn't put that past her when you heard the danger. She put us in, like... Go on, yeah, what happened? So we got the bus up on, I think, the Friday, and we were being... My auntie was kind of saying, you know, the weather forecast doesn't look great now, you know, be be a bit careful, like... And, of course, we were saying, oh, it's grand, like, it's a beautiful day. So we got into Boston, we were saying, Jesus, they must be mad, like, the sun was splitting the stones, blue skies, it was a gorgeous day. And we off, we off went anyway, checked into our hotel, which was a kip, by the way. In New York, in New York. In New York. What, 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 when you say a kip, like, how is it a kip, in what way? Oh, Jesus, there was wallpaper peeling off the walls. We couldn't get on the Wi-Fi, there was a smell. There was uh, a naked man in the window across the road, we were joking, it was like friends. Like, it was funny, but... I wouldn't go there now. (laughs) And Um, then all of a sudden, along came Hurricane Sandy. Yeah, so we went off on the open top tour bus of the Upper West Side, and we were only on the bus, I'd say, about 20 minutes when it started lashing. And we were like, Era, look, it's probably just a bit of rain. It's grand. We bought a few of those white plastic um, rain ponchos, and we carried on our bus tour. And next thing, it got very, very bad. They had to stop the bus tour. They had to shut us down. I remember we actually went into a shop and bought a hot chocolate to keep our hands warm. It was freezing. And then by five o'clock, there wasn't even a McDonald's open in Times Square. We were starving. So we stopped off in the shop. All I remember us getting was a few packets of crisps. I remember our mum getting two or three bottles of Sauvignon Blanc. (laughs) And um, (laughs) we went back to the hotel and we were kind of saying, what will we do? We were saying, look, we'll go to sleep. Obviously, they drank their few bottles of wine. We were saying, we'll go to sleep. We'll wake up the next morning. and sure it'll probably be fine. It'll be after blowing over. But next thing anyway, my mum was waking us up. It was six o'clock. She was after being up watching the news. And uh, she was like, no, look, it, it actually looks like they're going to close New York. And we were saying, what do you mean close New York? Like, sure, they can't close New York. And she was saying, no, there's rumours that they're actually going to just close off the city. Like, it's Hurricane Sandy. It's really bad. So we rang my auntie in Boston. And she was saying, look, the only place that's running buses is this company that's very, very dodgy. Like, they have a history of people, like, the buses catching on fire and crashing and flipping over and stuff. Like, my mum says, yeah, grand, go on, book us four tickets. What? Why do you not just stay put? (laughs) Stay put. No, see, because my mum's friends and her daughter, they had a wedding to get back to in Cork. So we had to get back to Boston to get our flight back to Cork. Okay, okay. Anyway, you did anyway. Did you book the dodgy bus? We booked the dodgy bus um, and we had to go to Chinatown to get on the bus. So we called a taxi and he was saying, where do you think you're going? Like, I um, obviously thought we were mad. We were saying, yeah, yeah, we're getting a bus for France. And your mum was saying, I don't know what's wrong with you anyway, but dropped us off in Chinatown. And there was a, like a big crowd of people waiting for buses. We must have waited 40 minutes. And there was no bus turning up. Like, so they obviously just scammed us for the money. Oh, no. And, uh, and you paid in advance. We did, yeah, we paid for it. And all, now, I don't know even how much it was because my auntie, my mum just said, book the bus and we'll get on it. You know, grand, don't even think about it. So what you do next? So, no bus. We were no, we were waiting around anyway outside a shop where the bus was supposed to pick us up, and this man pulls up in a seven-seater, rolls down his window, shouts to my mum. He pulled a sorry in, 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 in just just because you, you speak quite oh, quickly as car, people do. A seven-seater pull, pulled up. Oh yeah, just like a seven-seater car, like standard, you know. Um, and he says, "Lady, do you need a ride?" Um, I say now in a split second, my mum didn't even consider. She goes, yeah, I do. Can you bring us to Boston? And he was like, yeah, $100. She said, for all of us, he said, no, per person, $100. She walks straight over to the car anyway and handed them down to $60 per person. Next thing, she looks at me, clicks her fingers and says, get into the car. 
the four of us get into the car without even thinking now she's putting us in this strange man's car who literally just pulled up on the side of the road not a taxi nothing no sign no lights nothing just a car no could have been yourself on the side of the road could have been anyone she says going away into the car anyway two 16 year old girls herself her friend and then she grabs three other strangers and says come on $60 we're going to Boston and she says what are you doing she says well at least if that happens we're not on our own (laughs) so she grabs these three strangers so now do the math the four of us a driver and three strangers that's eight people in a seven seater car so <laughs> I'm doing, I'm doing the maths as to how much this is going to cost actually yeah. so, what is it seven of you is it the seven of us yeah so you know I'm laughing like For, $420 to drive to, yeah. uh, to Boston and back again how, how long is a drive to Boston it should be about four and a half hours it ended up taking us pushing seven I'd say um, but so there's two seats in the front three seats in the middle and two seats in the back right. so myself and Emily were in the back and a strange woman next to us so three of us strands into two seats right. then in the middle is my mum and her friend and another woman in the two seats except my mum was saying that her ass was been bruised for weeks because she was sitting on the seatbelt so she asked her friend for a loan of her coat so she could sit on the coat to kind of cushion herself. And she says, I can't because the sunroof is leaking and she was getting soaked on her lap. So she needed her coat over her legs. And then your man in the front says, don't worry, I'm a doctor. Now, I don't know, that was kind of comforting. Who? And the, it, it wasn't the driver said he was stranger. a doctor? No, 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 the stranger. Just a stranger <laughs> that my man had grabbed off the side of the road. So he says, grand luck if that happens. All right, the passenger anyway. says I'm a doctor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So then what was the, the driver, driver like? During. What was the? I mean, why did it take seven Big hours? Was it because of the hurricane? Look, it kept getting lost. <laughs> so first of all, anyway, he asked us how to spell Boston. Putting his son up. Now you can imagine the anxiety in the back of the car. We're trying to have a conversation in Irish about I don't know anything because obviously they didn't speak Irish and we were just trying to calm ourselves down. So off we go anyway, and I'm not joking, we were going over the bridge and the army were actually out putting up bollards, like they were blocking the roads, like they were not letting anyone out, in or out of New York. We were one of the last cars out, like it was frightening looking back. But at the time, I suppose, the adrenaline, my mum didn't care, she just said, look, that man has a car, we need a ride, get in. So we drove anyway, and we must have been driving for three or four hours. And the driver looks in his mirror and he says to my mum, lady, do you need to pee? And my mum was like, Myra, he's asking me if I need to pee, what should I say? And she was like, well, do yeah." And she was like, kind of. <laughs> so your man pulls in anyway to a service station and we went in and we got Dunkin' Donuts, we all used the toilet, got back into the car. And then we were kind of thinking like, we didn't even check out of our hotel. We were due to stay there another night. They're probably thinking, where the hell are these four people gone in the middle of a hurricane? But, um, <laughs> and then my uncle had said so when we got into the car we texted my auntie and we said look we got into this car we see you in South Station in Boston whenever we get there and my uncle had us dead and buried he was saying they didn't even send us the registration plate of the car no one had data like mobile data so sure we couldn't they couldn't track us and you made no idea Boston in seven hours having got lost on a we number of Boston. occasions yeah. you pulled in he kept at- driving over trees because um, obviously it was a hurricane like, so there was like trees on the side of the road Was there ever during that trip trees. in the middle of, 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 of Hurricane Sandy that you were actually putting your life at risk? Well I mean would you put your daughter in a stranger's car when she's 16 years I old? I understand that but there was at least there were seven of you but I'm saying at risk from the hurricane 
Um, I don't know, potentially, yeah, like the water was coming in the sunroof and splashing up as we were going over the bridge to leave New York. The water was kind of splashing up onto the road. I'd say had we been an hour later, obviously we wouldn't have gotten it because the police were blocking off the road. I know, because the but, entire um, eastern seaboard was, was hammered all the way down into the yeah, Caribbean no, and the Pacific rough. and all, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the, a lot of the islands down below, uh, I know that they Haiti and Puerto Rico, Dominican Republic, Bahamas, hammered, loss of life. Absolutely destroyed, yeah. But like we were, there was trees down on the roads. Obviously there could have been electrical wires, like that would have been dangerous. He was driving over, I remember he drove over a tree at one point and my mum went, oh Jesus Christ. And he, when he turned around and he says, lady, doesn't damage my car, it's okay. And, and my mum's like, I'm not you, thinking about your car, I'm thinking about my life. <laughs> <laughs> and you paid him then at the end, yeah? We paid him at the start. Paid him at the start? Give him what? Like, yeah. I, I'm, I'm estimating that that's about $420. Well, I don't know what the other three did, but the four of us anyway paid him, yeah. And he had to drive, and he had to drive all the way back then again. I don't know what his story was, like where he was going or who he was, but we got to Boston anyway, and like we've been going to Boston all our life, so we recognised when we were pulling into Atlantic Avenue to get in by South Station, which is like one of the bigger train stations and bus stations. And the driver says to my mum, where are they park? And my mum goes, go up that way there, boy. Um, and she didn't see drive him up a one-way ramp where all the buses were coming out towards him. He was livid. We were terrified. There was a lot of buses coming towards us. <laughs> and obviously the staff in the station weren't exactly too happy with him or us either. Your mother really um, lives life to the full, doesn't she? Oh, she does, yeah. She's full yeah. on. <laughs> yeah. An intrepid explorer. Yeah, she will do anything. Oh my God, great story. Look, Thank God you got there. Story, yeah, you yeah. got there safely and in one piece. Thanks for sharing that. Stay listening, Nia. Great story. Yeah, yeah, no worries. Take man. care. Back after 11, text 0868 I'm Rory. And I'm Valerie. And you can join us for the very best in local, national and international sport every weekend on The Big Red Bench. That's The Big Red Bench. Every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM This is the Neil Prendergast Show Powering ahead on a busy Friday morning Fruit Food Friday courtesy of ourselves and Roosters Piri Piri Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park The starters Chicken wings Chicken skewers Beef skewers The uh, main events The starters are like main events themselves You get loads of food Chicken wraps Chicken pitas Beef burgers You'll get the Piri sauces to go with everything The Piri salted fries The rice The waffle fries The the Piri mayo The garlic Piri and everything like that And then you build your own cheesecake you put like Kinder Bueno sauce on it or Kinder Pieces or Nutello or Smarties or you know stuff like that uh, so more shout outs keep them coming you've got about 15 minutes to text who you are and where you are to 0868 it'll feed at least 15 of you morning to Dupuis in Ring of Skiddy how's it going Paul to Glanton Tires they're all starving morning to Kevin and all of the lads to Northside Tires on the old Mallow Road to Bark Park in Ballinahina great bunch of people love their dogs treat them really well to the staff nurses uh, and all of the other disciplines the ground floor of the Victoria Orthopaedic Rehab uh, it's one of their colleagues birthday today it would be great the beer garden shop on the Evergreen Road in Turners Cross morning to everybody at Gilabi Veterinary Hospital or Regan Tarmac would love to be fed Bridgewater Homes in Rathcormac Irish Oxygen and Waterfall are listening everybody at Lehan Motors morning Arthur to Apple and Lavitz Key they'd love some period period morning to Leanne the, well, the Weight Wellbeing Clinic in Mallow um, to Balafihan Balafihan Healthcare who are listing power aggregates, Sodexo, 
Irvine Oil in a White Gate, uh, Precision Sheet Metal out in Ducloyne, Blockwall Developments in Ballyglana. Ah, there's so many. Irwin Late Night Pharmacy on Shanda Street are listening. Desi's Tires in Vickers Road, Joe's Edge Salon in Blarney, The Baldy Barbers out in Blackpool, Michael Metal Shop in Kinsale Road, Ballina Carragas Stores in Mount Pleasant Avenue, Ebo, EBO Home Rescue in the Marina, and just a few more. Audi on the Bandon Road, but Boston Scientific, uh, all of the team working for uh, working from home in Glanmire. It doesn't say what you're doing or who you're doing it for, but good morning to Bina and Roger. Kiri's Renault on the Kinsale Road, and we'll do more one more bunch of shout-outs, I promise you that. So get your text in in about 20 minutes' time. Free Food Friday, courtesy of ourselves and Roosters, Perry Perry Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park. It's a busy, busy giveaway morning this morning. So why would you have it any other way on a Friday? one of the most phenomenal successful bands of all time and they're off on a world tour and a couple of those stops will be here on Side. I want to talk to Con O'Neill Con! Neil it's Pat O'Neill What's it Pat O'Neill? It says Con you're ne- yeah, I'm sorry. No, I live up by Con the Robber Alright <laughs> so will you bring Con the Robber with you then? No no it's my wife Anne oh, no, let, let Anne go with Con the Robber you know what? They'll make a perfect couple. Ah, <laughs> who's the bigger fan? You or Anne? Anne, Neil, be honest with you, Anne. I'm a Liverpool fan, and you know that, boy. I know. Anyway, listen, it's 10 years since she saw them, so she's off to Parky Queeve. Go break the news. Straight away, Neil, boy. Thank you very much. Yeah, Neil, welcome. I do a ring on Monday morning with the chat with the late, uh, the cop, boy. You'll Liverpool never walk alone, man. Thanks, Neil. Good right, night, boy. Bye. Prenderville Show on Red FM. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818 Cork's Red FM. You see, the, the, just the whole buzz of having live gigs back again. It's just incredible. And the West Live gigs will be just awesome come August and what have you. But I did go to the Ed Sheeran gig on the Friday night and I wasn't on the air on the following Monday to, to chat about it. But it was an incredible experience just to be, like even just to be walking from Douglas all the way to Ballantemple, you know, stopping off at at, at Longboats. They had a barbecue going on inside the Longboats. It was incredible. And the bar was buzzing indoors and outdoors. And they've got a big, huge area outside, fabulous seated area. And there was fabulous, just unbelievably delicious chicken burgers. One of the nice, sorry, cheeseburgers. One of the nicest cheeseburgers I've ever eaten. Maybe it was in the anticipation of just being out and the sun shining and down to Parky Queef for the Ed Sheeran gig. It was just a fantastic night. And everybody was in great form. And the great thing about an Ed Sheeran gig, and I suppose Westlife as well, will be you'll have people of all ages there, you know, from kids to, to octogenarians and everybody in between. I was down in Longboats, and I met with people that I hadn't seen in years. I met great buddies down there, Dave and Marie, husband and wife that I knew way back in the day, and we had a good old chat. And it was just wonderful, you know. You miss all of those things with all the stuff that was going on with COVID. So all that's great to be back. Anyway, it's all about reminiscing, I suppose. So here's a, you know, we talk about memorable holiday moments. So I'll go back to the phone lines again because that competition will close now in about 20 minutes time. But the, the, this is a good one from Lisa. She says, my most memorable holiday moment was when I visited India with the Hope Foundation. We visited one of the slums in Kolkata where there were approximately 30,000 families living in single rooms constructed of wood, corrugated metal, 
and whatever they could find that would hold them together. It seemed to me to be a di- so diabolical that people would be living like this. But the families who resided there were incredible, so full of smiles and laughter. What stood out most to me was how the children all wanted their pictures taken with our digital devices so that they could see themselves on the screens. And it made them so happy and their smiles and laughter was contagious. I would give anything to return there. It would always stick in my mind. And when I think of it, it reminds me of just how blessed we are. Thanks for reading. And thank you for sharing, Lisa. It's a beautiful story, but it does highlight how we are blessed in many ways. And we do complain and crib and whinge about things. But there's always some who are a lot worse off. Here's a beautiful story for you. My great, grand, my great memory uh, when my, my two boys were small and we headed to Onahinsha for two weeks, where the sun always seemed to be shining. And we'd spend hours on the beach with great friends, fishing for crabs, building sandcastles and the great Bonty Lynch sitting in his chair watching all the children play. He would then count up every single child around us and send us to the shop for ice lollies. We'd meet in the evening for a drink in the Ocean View bar if we would all go back to our mobile homes with a bag of chips in hand. There were happy days. That's uh, a fabulous one. And one more. A holiday 1984 was our honeymoon. We went to the Isle of Man, decided to go camping. We got there by boat, set up the tent, and the weather was beautiful. It was August. We were off. off we went for something to eat and a few drinks. When we got outside, it was pouring rain. Uh, we got back to the camping site to find our tents literally gone. Standing in the middle of a field, drowned. We saw a light in the distance, so we headed for the light, as you do. Turned out to be a police station. <laughs> we had no choice but to go in. Explained our situation, and have to say they were very nice. They gave us a cell for the night. <laughs> We had to take our clothes off as they were drenched. We sat there all night with blankets around us, very thankful for it. Following morning, we went looking for the tent. Nowhere to be found. Turned out the wind and rain was so bad, it blew it away. That, Neil, was our honeymoon. And yes, I still love him today. It's his 60th in June, and I just love a getaway. Beautiful stories people are sharing. Thank you for that one, Sandra. Right, uh, we do have John Spillane, the musician, playing us out around about a quarter to midday today. But just ahead of that, would you believe it, another John Spillane, a pretender, I suppose. John, good morning. <laughs> good morning, Neil. How are you? What are the chances of that? <laughs> Uh, I've been been asked numerous occasions. Uh, was they the John Spillane? <laughs> Would you do dance to the cherry trees for me or something like that? Is it? <laughs> yeah. Well, one of the guys was, was actually um, dropping a bin off to me, a refuse bin, you know. <laughs> and uh, he asked me if they John Spillane because his wife was a was, was a follower, and I said, yeah, I was. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? You weren't telling the word <laughs> of a lie. But anyway, take yeah. me back to the eighties, the good old eighties. Go on. Oh, Jesus, Neil. It was back in 81. Um, four guys, Irish guys that have never been out of Ireland in their lives, you know. Uh, we decided to uh, plan a trip to Europe, you know. So we did all the planning and we had the car, we had everything. And one of the guys, one of the guys said, look, I've got this tent that we need. We said, brilliant. So the night before we were leaving, we decided to go down the boggy road <laughs> and try to put the tent together, you know? <laughs> like a trial so, run. <laughs> yeah. So the guy brought the, t- the tent out of, his, out of his car and he was struggling lifting it, you know? And we went over and we looked and it was an, an ex-army uh, eight-man <laughs> green canvas tent. 
For God's sake, right. man. Ditch it. Yeah. Serious. So we, it took us about an hour or two hours to get together. And we had no other choice because we were leaving the next morning at 4 o'clock in the morning, you know? So... <laughs> Massive big army canvas the, thing, yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah, huge, huge. So anyway, we put her in and we said, look, what the hell, let's carry on. <laughs> so we drove to Wexford, got on the, on the ferry to La Havre, and it was like 24 hours in the ferry, and we did drink a lot of stuff over the, in, in the ferry. And there you'll have your few babies on there, yeah, absolutely, yeah, 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 yeah. Brilliant. So we, we Sick got, as dogs got off getting off, sick as dogs in La Havre, oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. So we had to stay in La Havre anyway that night, that night, so we went looking for a a campsite and we searched around and we found one but it was full but the guy took you know pity on us because we were Irish and he goes look I have a small area you can put in so we said great so we started taking the tent out and the guy goes no 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 too big too big you know so we said grand okay right so we put the tent up with one stick and we had to sleep in it <laughs> you know <laughs> so and, anyway that was the start of the holiday anyway so we because you ended we up going Paris. from La Havre to Paris to Monte Carlo all the way down into Italy into Genoa down to Genoa in Italy yeah yeah it was brilliant so we we camped in we camped in uh, in Genoa anyway and uh, we decided to go for a few pints as you would and uh, we one of the guys opened uh, cut up a, a lemon a melon sorry a melon and he left it there so uh, we came back to the tent and the tent was millions and millions of ants all over the place. It was packed. <laughs> they, were, they were actually all eating the lemon, you know. So we said, Jesus, we, we can't sleep there anymore, you know. So like, was it, like, it was just swarming with ants. Oh, yeah, it was in the inside all over the place. There was millions of them, millions of them, you know. Oh, God. It's so much as when you open it, you could actually see the ants everywhere, and it was pitch dark. You know, you could see them running everywhere. You know, <laughs> so we, we couldn't stay there. So we said we we go back into Genoa, the town, and uh, we get a hotel. So yeah, we stayed in the hotel that night, <laughs> and um, the next night, then anyway, we decided to go to a nightclub. So we were traveling down the coast, down the Riviera, the French Riviera, the Italian Riviera, and uh, the four guys in the car, typical Irish, you know, and uh, got stopped by the police doing a checkpoint and yeah, everything went well and we were asking look any do you know any place we can go from uh to a nightclub and he looked at us and he saw four guys in there anyway so he said yeah yeah you know travel you know about maybe four five six kilometers down the road and on your left side you see a big sign astoria nightclub couldn't miss that's it. where you can go yeah couldn't miss it yeah so went down to where we saw the big sign astoria nightclub we said brilliant let's get in there you know, so we went, as we were going in there, it was like going into Vegas, these big, huge doors. Uh, the guys on the doors were all tuxedos and stuff like that. And we goes, how much? He goes, no, you're fine. You're Irish. You're fine. Go on in. So we went in and it was pretty dark. And as we were walking in, uh, the waiter came up to us. He says, no, 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 you don't sit in the back because we want to sit in the dark, in the back. You know, it was pretty dark, you know? Yeah. So he goes, no, 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 you come up the front. You know, so we said, okay. So we came up the front, person at the table. And we looked, and the da- we're next to the dance floor, but the dance floor was like Saturday Night Fever. No, the, do you remember the lights in Saturday Night Fever? All the different color lights. They were on the. Gra- they were actually on the dance floor. Yeah, flashing the, lights. Yeah, on yeah. the dance Cube floor. Lights. That's right. Yeah. So we sat down there anyway. But well, it was eighty-two, for instance. It was disco fever. It, like, yeah, yeah. It was. Yeah, it was disco fever. So it was pretty dark, and uh, we're sitting there anyway. And uh, the guy came up and he says, um, "What do you want?" And we said, "We have four beers." 
So he went to where we sat down and we were looking around the place and it was, you know, pretty dark and stuff like that. And we noticed there was actually no women there, you know? And there was a lot of guys and they were kissing each other and hugging each other. And, and, we like, and did that come as a shock to four young court oh, yeah. guys back in 1982? Uh, Neil, you know, 1980 odd, mate, it was, <laughs> we didn't know much about that stuff, you know? Right. Okay. This <laughs> is different, and, different uh, era, yeah, okay. Yeah, oh, yeah. totally different era. And we realized, what's going on here, you know? So in the meantime, the waiter came down with the four bears and, uh, he goes to one of the guys, he goes, he goes to John, uh, John, uh, he goes, John goes, uh, okay, he was nervous, John was nervous, and he was, you know, he was, Jeez, let's get over here fast, you know, but the bears came down, and he asked him how much of the money is, you know, and, and that time it was lira, and he goes, uh, 40,000 lira, but John didn't hear him, and he gave him a thousand, you know, and he goes, more, 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 you know, and he gave him another thousand, and he goes, no, 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 40,000, he goes, more. And he goes, who do you think I'm, a nothing slot machine, you know? Well, how much would 40,000 lira have been for I think, I think it was around between 25 and 30 uh, euro pounds, I should say. 25 pounds for four beers in 1982, yeah. that's insane. Like, it was like, yeah, the, the small bottle of beers, I think they were about 50 pence or something like that at the time. Good in, God in, in the pubs, yeah. So we said we better drink those anyway. We're sitting down and you know we're kind of looking around and people looking at us as well to say, look, oh five five nice Irish guys, you know what's going on. Right. So all of a sudden, all of a sudden, New York, New York came on, and the dance floor started lighting up all the different colours, and about eight guys came out in tongues, okay. singing and dancing on the floor, and we go, oh Jesus. <laughs> Said, oh no he's to his own <laughs> like I mean you wouldn't oh, bat an oh, eyelid yeah. now of course but it's different no, no, times <laughs> no it was different times and we were there I was like let's get out you know and the, the waiter came back down to your mobiles and he goes no get the hell out we're gone so out the door we ran you know and we said never ever again are we going to twin nights up in, in, in Italy you know <laughs> 82 I see it when you in the note that you sent that it was Bobby Sands died on Hunger Strike when you were away. I, yeah? I, I think it was I think it was eighty one. We went back to eighty one. I made a mistake. Okay. Eighty one. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think Bobby Sands died earlier. You know, so we we were over there. It was a bank holiday in 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 Italy at the time, so we just parked the car anywhere we wanted. You know, and it was just next to the hotel, and uh, we didn't know nothing. And as you know, at that time, Neil, um, every car would have the register. You know the the abbreviation of the country they're they're not they're ju- not just that, from, but we all you know? had these big kind of green, white and gold stickers as well, didn't we? That's right, yeah. And the big IRL big IRL stickers yeah. as well. Irish yeah, yeah. You know, Ireland. Yeah. So we pa- we parked it there nearly anyway and we went back out and we went back to the hotel anyway and uh, all of a sudden there was a raid. All the the, the police raided the hotel. You know? Why? And they came out to us and Why? Because they they thought we were Republicans. Go away, really? You parked next yeah, to government thought, buildings or something, not knowing it, is it? Yeah, they pa- yeah, they saw the IRL a, sticker. I mean, if you're a yeah, Republican, yeah. you'd hardly have an IRL sticker on your fucking car. like Exactly, you? exactly. And it was a sensitive government building as far as we, we found out after. So what you know? they, and what um, did the Italian cops say? Uh, they were asking us questions and stuff. We couldn't understand the word they were saying, but the, the hotel, the people who owned the hotel were very, very nice. Uh, they took our passports and... The owner told us, told them exactly who we were and what we were doing, and they were okay, no problem, that's fine, you know. But we, you know, Jesus, Christ, it was it was frightening, it was frightening, you know. How did the rest of the holiday go? Uh, well, when we went down to Monte Carlo, 
we walked we walked to Monte Carlo with our tops off and the police pulled up and threatened to arrest us or fine us for not wearing our tops in Monte Carlo. I tell you something, you, know? you pay a fair price for a bottle of beer in Monte. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, I'd be there a few times. It's kind of about 10, 15 pounds a, a euro the bottle there, you know? Yeah, and did but, you go um, into the casino? No, we had, we had no money. We, just, we were four people. We were spending a fortune. We didn't even know there was actually toll bridges in, 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 in France <laughs> at the time, you know? <laughs> did you run out of cash? <laughs> Oh, we we did. We actually, we we. Uh, I think we we're just in Italy. We we're back in France, and we know we had a, a pocket. Pain, there were different you know? times, weren't they? Travelers checks, oh. like or cash, and if you yeah, had yeah. any, like yeah. now it's Revolut and mobile phones, and you have access to cash wherever you go. And you know those mates that you went away with in eighty one. Are you still in yeah. touch with them? Oh yeah, yeah. I talked with one of the guys for, but yeah, yeah, yeah. He was at my wedding. His grandfather, uh, grand. Um, He's a uh, he's step he's uh, what's into my, my daughter as well, like you know. Right. So you're probably all granddads so now, eh? <laughs> oh yeah, I got yeah, lots of them, lots of them. Amazing, enough. We ran out of money. We we ran out of money, right? So we had no money. I had my Cox Savings Bank checkbook with me, and uh, we said <laughs> let's try the bank into a French bank. Let's try and see what happens, you know. So I went into the bank with my passport and. I went went into the teller and I goes, look, uh, I need fifty pounds, you know, um, uh, sorry, f- uh, French money, French francs. And uh, he goes, no, and he said, we only take EIB or Bank of Ireland checks. Oh, oh and but if you remember, at that time, the Cox Savings Bank's EIB were clearing agents for Cox Savings Bank, and down at the bottom it says clearing agent EIB. And I turned around and said, look, look, EIB, where EIB, you know? And you, <laughs> so you get the dash. <laughs> We got the dodge. We got the dodge. <laughs> otherwise, we were. Otherwise, otherwise, we would actually been stuck in France because at that time there's no way of getting money across. Forget about it. You whatever. just couldn't. No. You know? I mean, what were they well, going to do? Post it to you? No. Forget yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we actually would. We actually took the back seats of the car and are looking for money. Great <laughs> stories. A great trip, John. Oh. It was fantastic. I'll it was be, mov- I'll be yeah. moving on to the other John Spillane. I don't know which one of you is the real John Spillane, but a pleasure talking to you. <laughs> well said. It's, well it's said. me, Neil. It's uh, me. It's all right, me. Good. Take care. <laughs> Cheers. Great Take story. Care. Bye. Back Bye. after Bye. the break. The Neil Brenderville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 0818-104-106. In the background now, you're going to hear the one and only. I don't know which of them now is the real John Spillane having spoken of it. The other one is just tuning up here for a couple of tunes, it being Friday. Free Food Friday. Shoutouts for everybody at the bookstation in Douglas, for Galabi Vets as well who are listening, Broderick's Chemists, for the Cardiac Cath Lab and the CUH are on board, Ballancolic Credit Union are listening, Little Island Transport, good morning to everybody at Castle Point, Boatyard and Crosshaven, IITC on the Tremore Road, the Imperial Hotel, particularly the maintenance staff, Vision Construction on Grattan Street, Kilsaran Quarries in Ovens, St. Killian School, the Orthopaedic and Spinal Injury of the Private Matter, Matter Private, the Gutter Guy and Blarney, the House of Hair, Expert Attic Conversions, the Colour. Salon, O'Sullivan's Pharmacy are listening, and just one or two more for now. B2SR Technics in Mahan, the Heart and Vascular Department at the Matter, Cork Lighting and Interiors, Murphy Electrical Clarksbridge, and the Brothers of Charity in Mayfield are all listening this morning. We'll pick a Free Food Friday winner in a few minutes' time. Thank you so much for the bed. A fantastic musical bed under me there as I wax lyrical. Incidental music, Neil. Lovely to see you. And you too. How have you been? Great. Never better. That guitar owes you nothing, boy. I'll tell you, boy. How long have I been seeing that guitar? Actually, this is beautiful. The guitar, this guitar cost a thousand 
Irish Pones in the 1970s. And I've seen you playing that, I'd say. From, and there's a bit of telecella tape, there's no cling film on it, there's no thicken well, masking I, tape, nothing sticking it together. Well, I have um, Mick Daly, you know, um, the Black Dog, famous mus- musician from the Lee Valley String Band. I know, yeah. Yeah, so Mick has, he's got a touch with guitars so he does my guitars for me and he puts a beautiful pickup into it everywhere I go any festival in the world people say oh my god what a brilliant sound off that guitar it's I say it's the black dog from Cork it's Mick Daly himself it. and there are people like that are out there I just got my pipes back from Ono Riavigal and Dripsy he was just doing a bit of a refurb and a couple of keys to it he's flying I love it so you're he's, playing the pipes the Ilan I'm pipes I'm playing the pipes ah, yeah, but I stopped for a long time when he started again during Covid you learned that Tomas O'Conning long that's ago. correct ah lovely man you've got a great memory boy. I, well I knew Tomas down in Glen was yeah. he a gentleman? Lovely, lovely man. Get yourself ready there, pal. We're going to have a couple of tunes. I just one more call here. I want to chat to now, and John Spillane's going to play us out, and I'll clear the competitions as well. Donald, can you hear me? All right, I can. All right, so you, you played a prank on your wife that backfired spectacularly. I'm all ears. Okay, um, we were on honeymoon back in 2003 in the Maldives, and it was our second last night there. So we. We we had our usual evening meal, and you could picture the scene out, overlooking the Indian Ocean, out having a meal outside and having your drinks. But uh, we said, yeah, it turned into a bit of a mini session, and we overindulged in the in the in the alcopops, as you would. Ah, uh, yeah, I thought it might have been like Bacardi <laughs> Rome or something. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what we called them anyway. So, yeah. um, we. <laughs> the lights, the lights start to flashing for the bar. We didn't think they'd be closing time and, um, in, on an island, but there actually was. So uh, it was pretty um, low key. But <laughs> being, the, uh, being the being the Irish, we we stacked up at closing time, and we had a table full of vodka and cokes and Bacardi and cokes and everything. The two of you, is it? Yeah, yeah, and there was uh, there was very serious couples from Germany and Russia, and there were watches, and they were looking at the table that said, "Jesus, oh, the, the, the Irish, they are." Yeah, yeah, they yeah. Are very but bad. anyway, very anyway, bad. we uh, we finished them, and um, the air, of course, the air is very light out there, so it would go straight to your head. You <laughs> blame know, the air, yeah. Don't blame, blame the, the air, yeah. The room, like blame no, the air. No, the air, uh, the light air, yeah. yeah but. Yeah. We were walking back to our, our um, accommodation and there was a pathway to the left and a pathway to the right that would bring you around in the crescent. And I, uh, I just said to Hannah, being the very mature person I was, I said, I'll race you back. Uh, I'll go one way, you go the other. We'll see who'll get back first. And I presumed I'd be back before her. So there was a big coconut tree outside uh, near where we were staying and um, it wasn't a single one going up no there was uh, branches to the left and branches branching out to the right so I was able to climb up like a monkey flying up the tree and uh, I said this is great now I'll, I'll wait now and I'll keep looking down I was up about I don't know 15 feet maybe and I was looking down and looking down waiting for it to pass by and I was going to jump out <laughs> off the tree and down onto the soft sand and roar and frighten the life out of her that was the plan anyway that was the plan, but I don't know what what went wrong. I say I fell asleep. I nodded off because <laughs> up in the coconut tree. Yeah, I was like, just like Wiley Coyote and the Roadrunner. I my two eyes, I'd say, open and like a trap door went from under me. Down I went. Hit. I banged off the left hand branch over to the right hand branch. Bang, zigzag over and back like a ping pinball wizard machine down until I hit the ground and bang and I said oh jeez I was winded I couldn't breathe I was 
I said, oh, I've damaged on here. So I was dazed. Not and that I you'd feel I, the pain with all that vodka and rum in you. Anyway, go on. Oh, I, I, I felt this one and uh, <laughs> I, I crawled. There was still no sign of Hannah coming. So I, I dragged myself along the sand to the door of, the, of where I was staying. And I, about a half an hour went and I, I was able to stand up and I, I slowly went in and there she was inside before me. She was sound asleep. Couldn't wake <laughs> her up. Um, she obviously got back before me. And I suppose I got tired of waiting and I looking down from above and I fell asleep. Fell asleep in a coconut tree and you could have broken yeah. your neck incidentally. I could but and all oh, my rib cage, my rib cage on my right and my left under my armpits was all skinned because the ba- not alone the branches but the back of the tree was like a cheese grater. Hang and on I'm, a second. I, uh, okay, we've done the injury stuff and I wish I had more time. I could because yeah. I just I've loads and loads <laughs> of calls and stories from all over the world, yeah. the holiday stories. But you went yeah. from there to Sri Lanka. But... You won us the trip on money you got from Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, is it? Oh, I did. That's what paid for the holiday, yeah. Or the honeymoon, yeah. You were on I, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? I was. I was on the second last show with Gabe Orn. I got 64,000. What? 64 yeah, grand? Back in, back in 2002. What were the questions like? Oh, uh, they, were, they, were, they were okay. I bluffed my way through the, a few of the latter ones, all right. And I would have got the 128, but I hadn't the... The neck to go for us, so I you hadn't the, the neck 64. to go to double the sixty-four grand, but you're the neck to climb langers up a coconut tree. <laughs> aye, aye, I see. Yeah. What's it feel like when you knew the answer to the doubler and you didn't take it? Um, I would. It would have been a complete guess. So I, I look. I was happy. I was delighted with the sixty-four. I was oh my god! And if, did you blow it all? Did you? Um, there's not. I wouldn't say there's anything left. No. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's some incredible people on Lisa, do you know that? Uh, the stories in Cork just blow my yeah. mind. They really but do. I, I, I had to keep the t-shirt and the shorts on all during the the, the Sri Lankan t- trip then because I was all gartered. So I, I, they were all looking at me in 40 degree heat saying, look oh, at your mouth, the t-shirt and the shorts. Typical Irish. Oh my God, can't, you can't take the penny anywhere. We can't anywhere. go anywhere, Donald. We can't go no. anywhere. Good luck, good luck. Well good done. Luck, Neil. Okay, bye, we need bye, to bye, pick bye. a qualifier for this morning because already we have Annette and her bikini story in Bondi Beach. We have Cullum and his trip to Crete with the lad who legged it back to Belfast. We have, um, what was that girl's name that was on who was in Spain during 9-11 and got stopped going through security? The most fantastic story from Cove, I think. Tracy, wasn't it? And the Vaseline tub. And Angela's beautiful, beautiful story about the boats, planes and trains from Cork all the way down to Spain and back. She told the most gorgeous story. So they're the four qualifiers from earlier in the week and we need to get a fifth and final one and we'll make a draw. They're all very strong. But in studio, uh, from the Gaelic Hit Factory, the one and only Johnny Spillane. Are you going to do a tune for us? Because I know we'll chat in a couple of minutes as to what you've up to so let's get some music on the air thanks so much uh, will I do a few verses of the, ch- the dance of the cherry trees I'll leave it up to you pal yeah, whatever you want to do yeah. thanks very much let me tell you about the cherry trees every April in our town they put on the most outrageous clothes and they sing and they dance around Hardly anybody sings or dances Hardly anybody dances or sings In this town that I call my own You have to hand it to the cherry trees And they seem to be saying To me anyway You know we've travelled all around the sun You know it's taken us one whole year Well done everyone Well done Cherry blossom in the air 
Cherry blossom on the street Cherry blossom in your hair And a blossom at your feet You know we've traveled all around the sun You know it's taken us one whole year Well done everyone, well done On behalf of me and the cherry trees Well done everyone You know me, sometimes I think I'm getting old Not as young as I used to be So it means even more to me To see the dance of the cherry trees They seem to be saying Is it only to me? You know we've traveled all around the sun You know it's taken us one whole year Well done everyone, well done On behalf of me and the cherry trees Well done Well done everyone, oh, well done Neil Well done you well done you 36 years at this now from the early early days of Princess Street and I would because I, I see the cherry trees at home and this is cherry tree season and I always think of you and I see the cherry blossoms and, and then we have Dance of the Cherry Trees All the Ways You Wander Princess Street the most beautiful magic nights of the lobby bar I mean who could write a song like magic nights of the lobby bar it's I'm just Gorgeous. Quite respectable, quite respectable, uh, Neil. But you know something? I think I sometimes I feel like I own the cherry blossom trees in this country, boy. <laughs> Everybody sees them; they think of me up and down the country. I was up in Antrim last week in the glens of Antrim. All the cherry blossom trees are. <laughs> There's so, the cherry blossom man. So it's it's like my fairy tale of New York, you know, Shane McGowan has the so Christmas. And so it should be. But I have my little spot in the end of April. Will we be brilliant or what? The incredible dawn chorus from one of the last albums, Thank which you is so the most much. fantastically constructed song. And even production-wise, it's incredible. And now we have a live album. Yeah, I do. And they all feature on the live, don't they? Yeah, I do. Incredible night I had in the Cork Opera House um, in no- at the end of November for the Right Here, Right Now Festival, Neil. I'm very grateful to Eileen Gleeson and John O'Connor and the... Um, the uh, sorry, John O'Brien, the conductor of the... Cork Opera House Concert Orchestra I wow. got to do 10 of my songs with the full orchestra my god the sound's going to be incredible off that yeah, so when I, are you releasing it? Uh, we're releasing it in the autumn time I said long sep- wait uh, September we brought out the Cherry Trees version there um, recently but um, it turned out magnificent so is the Cherry Trees version available from the Opera House gig? I'd it is yeah, that at some yeah that was the first single Like we're doing three singles on the album then in the autumn so the, op- so the Opera House gig is all the hits then if you like yeah, well, it, well, it's ten of the best songs. Like, uh, well, ten of the ones that were most suitable for the orchestra, like slow, big slow ones. Like, that's fantastic. So it was a big night of my life. I like it was unbelievable, and um, you know, it, so the album is called In Another Light. So it's my songs in another light with the big classical treatment. Neil, in fairness to you, yeah, with yeah. big classical treatment is going to sound fantastic. I can't wait to get a copy of that. Yeah, no how's bother. The, how's the touring going at the same time? You doing much? I'm doing great, man. I, I'm, I'm going down a bomb. I had a brilliant night in the Sea Church there last week. What uh, a venue that is! Yeah, yeah, I had a full house, standing ovation, Ballycotton. Um, I was in Yall last last um, last Sunday in the Mal Arts. Like I love Yall. Um, so, um, do yeah, you mind the travelling? No, you don't. Um, no, you know it's easy for me. You know it's a very small island, Ireland. <laughs> if I was a musician out in the UK, if I was over in England, I'd be going much further. Yeah. If you were in America, you'd be driving 10 hours to a gig. <laughs> if you were in Australia, man, you'd be going for... F- <laughs> you know what I mean? I was up in the um, Cushion Dunn uh, there last week, the Glens of Antrim, 
Antrim could be the most beautiful county in Ireland. I was, during COVID, I saw I was in a lot of different places where there were posters, or old posters, of you all over the West Coast, up into the North and everything. Well, I love, I, I love Ireland, like, I, I travel around, but Cushion Dunn I was, it's a small hurling stronghold up in the glens of Antrim. You're looking over at, um, <laughs> Scotland. Antrim. Scotland's only 12 miles across, <laughs> you know, and, uh, it's, so, um, actually the cherry blossoms are still blooming up there, like, we, we get them first here, and about a week later up there. I know, I know, I know. It's a great old crack. A great old crack. Is there any chance of another tune? Yeah, anything at all, yeah. Anything at all. And <laughs> uh, have you anything in mind? You really? keep asking me to pick the song. Oh, yeah. Well, I, mean, I, well, I, I mean, have a verse of Magic Nights in the Lobby. If I were to pick, I probably, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's slow, yeah. And like, but they're all slow. What's the Butter Road about? Well, the Butter Road. Uh, well, I do songwriting workshops with schools, and I was out in um, Berings National School, and they wrote a song, the kids wrote a song. Like, I kind of come around behind them and get them to write yeah. the song. Rolling down the butter road, hope my butter will be sold. Da 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 da, pure, pure gold. Rolling down the butter and road. And the kids wrote it. The kids wrote it, yeah. It's brilliant, isn't it? Yeah, I did three primary schools there recently. Um, creative school clusters are called. Um, I was in Monkstown Primary School where they wrote the most beautiful song in Monkstown called The Moon Shines Over Monkstown. Um, let me see. The moon shines over Monkstown. Over you and me. We're walking by the harbour. Beside the shining sea. The moon shines over Monkstown. That kind of crack. And they write them. They wrote them, yeah. That's fantastic. Really lights a fire under them at a young age, doesn't it? Oh, it's lovely, you know. I mean, so, yeah, I just kind of do a few of my own songs, tell them what I do, you know, get them to write some lyrics, get them to rhyme, get them to put in a bit of visual imagery. You send them off with a thought in their head, I'd say, John. I ah, well, some of them are, like, lovely, you know. Uh, great crack, yeah. We, we were on Fitzgerald's Park singing the songs then. The Butter Road and the Moon Shines Over Amongst Go on, give us another one, Mr. Dreamer. What have you got for us to finish up? Send I'll do, a, I'll do a verse of the Magic Nights because it's a song I wrote about the pub on Union you got to close your eyes for this, actually. It's that good. I'll do one verse anyway because I know I don't want to be keeping you on it. They were magic nights in the lobby bar with Brendan Ring playing Madame Bonaparte's Every note that the piper would play Would send me away Send me away Away through the window Away through the rain Away across the city Away in the air To a field by a river Where the trees are so green The deepest of green You've ever seen Where once you have been You can go back again You can go anytime you can go any time Cause it's only in your mind Will I go for another verse, Neil? Go for it, man They were magic nights in the lobby bar With Ricky Lynch and his golden guitar Singing autumn in Mayfield And the barley was ripe The harvest moon hung low in the sky we were children, and our mothers were young, and fathers were tall and kind, and every word Ricky would play would send me away, send me away, away through the window, away through the rain, away across the city, away in the air, to a field by a river where the trees are so green the deepest of green you've ever seen where once you have been 
You can go back again. You can go anytime. You can go anytime. Cause it's only in your mind. Incredible. We're so lucky to have you and to call us, call you one of our own, Mr. Spillane. It's I great to have you in the studio. You know that Ron Reavick has a, there's a trad session in the corner house every Thursday night. Were you aware of that? Yeah. Did you ever go into it? Yeah, six o'clock on the Thursday. Will we go in some Thursday? Definitely. I was there about two or three weeks ago. Every Thursday without fail. It's like a two-hour thing they do when everybody comes in. Ona Reavick on the pipes, Johnny, Johnny McCarthy on the fiddle, Con Fada on the box, <laughs> uh, Herring on the guitar... <laughs> Um, Colin Murphy might be there on the bar on ah, it's one of the best sessions in. we need to go in yeah I'll go in next Thursday maybe sound as a pound great to see you John thank Look you so much Neil best of luck thank one and so only much. John Spillane the new album In Another Light I can't wait for it actually recorded live at the Cork Opera House our last bunch of shout outs for Free Food Friday everybody working at MSL in Cork to Dermody Dental Practice on the Evergreen Road to the Marion Pharmacy in Friars Walk Joe Crowley Oils the Alzheimer's Society Glintown Care Home the Irish Blood Transfusion are listening everybody at Sigma Homes working up in Grange the National Beauty Distribution Team at Blarney Business Park the staff of the School of the Divine Child in Ballon, in Ballon Temple to everybody, Munster Removal Specialist in Blarney, uh, Impact Ireland Metals and Glamour, Premium Golf Brands. I won't get to everybody, my apologies. To everybody at uh, Bowdrin and Ahern Foods, Twilight News, BFH Little Island, Friars Road, uh, Post Office, and the staff at ISS as well. My apologies, I'm out of time. We'll uh, do all sorts of winners, including a free food fighter winner. And our winner for our big giveaway this week, courtesy of ourselves of Welling Airlines in Cork Airport next. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818 Okay. Red Free Food Friday winner for this week, courtesy of ourselves and Roosters Perry Perry Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park is uh, the bookstation at Douglas Shopping Centre and I hope that there's enough of you there. If there's not, there's lots of other shops inside in Douglas uh, Shopping Centre so share it with some of your neighbours. So well done to the bookstation at Douglas Shopping Centre, Free Food Friday, courtesy of ourselves and uh, Roosters Piri Piri. So, uh, right across the week, great stories. I still have a number of those stories. I might read out another few of them uh, on Monday because they're great stories of people's holiday memories. Fantastic city break to Paris with return flights uh, for two uh, from Cork with Vuelling Airlines, hotel accommodation for two nights, all your spending money and everything else that goes with it. Now, our five qualifiers, you don't have those on a screen or anything, do you? No, we don't have them on a screen. Because we had five qualifiers. I gave you the five of them already. There was uh, Annette, Cullum, uh, Angela. Who, was, who did you tell me the uh, 9-11 Vaseline tub was again? Uh, Tracy, wasn't it? Tracy down in Cove. And uh, this morning then, it's Brian is our fifth. All right, okay. Well, who was the, tell me the fifth finalist. Donal, Donal. Uh, and the coconut, falling from the coconut tree and winning money on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. So those are the five finalists, okay? And each of those. Uh, Claire, come over here because I've got a... Um, I've got a bowl here with five names all wrapped up and sealed up. So just pick one of those five there. Just pick one at random. Okay. And that's our five finalists. Yeah. And uh, open it up there and tell me who it is. We've sadly put those four away. Uh, 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 um, and that is from Tuesday, which would have been... Uh, is it Colin or Colum? Uh from Crete and Belfast? The Belfast Crete story. All right, hang on a second if we see if we can get him on the phone. Line three. Colin! Hello? No, he ain't Hello? there. No, he's not there, lads, I'm afraid. Um, unless you get me another line. You remember Colin's story? He was uh, went out to Crete with a whole lot of bunch of friends with him and one of them got oh, homesick. Oh. Colin! Hello. Yes? Fair play to you, boy. You're all sorted. Who are you going to take with you to Paris? 
my wife, I'd say we better take her. I don't think Enda will come with me. So, uh, uh, Enda, no, wife. as Enda has to go with you, in all fairness. <laughs> is he still up around Tipperary, wandering the streets above there? Oh, he is indeed, probably with the shorts on still. He's going to feel very annoyed now that you won a prize based on his story to Paris, you know. <laughs> that was all our stories. So, uh, <laughs> well, listen, I wish all five could win, but that isn't the case. You have to be fair about it. Congratulations. Go share it with Brilliant. your wife. You've got a wonderful weekend break ahead in Paris. All right, delighted for you. Brilliant. Thanks very much. You're really welcome. appreciate it. Love Take care. Cheers. Well done. Well done. And to all of our other finalists, well done to you all. I tell you what I, I tell you what I will do for the four other finalists. It's small consolation. I tell you what, but just to be fair to them, I think I have 50 euro roosters piri piri vouchers, don't I, lads? I do. They're telling me, yeah. So to the, each of the four, a 50 euro voucher. It, I know. Listen. It's not a trip to Paris, but there's only the one price. But I tell you what, if Cork Airport ever want to come back, or if Welling Airlines want to come back and give us other prizes like that, I'd take them with a heart and a half because the response was absolutely ginormous. And thank you all for sharing. I loved every single one of them. Uh, we're out of time, lads, unfortunately. Have a great weekend. We'll pick up the conversation on Monday. Lines will stay open. You can text 0868104106 and email your stories that you'd like to share with me to neil at redfm.ie. Have a good day. Have a good weekend. And I'll see you Monday. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.